A coward dies a thousand deaths. A soldier dies but once. You niggas don't even know that you so They say pussy and paper is poetry, power and pistols. Plotting on murdering motherfuckers before they get you. Picturing pitiful punk niggas copping please, puffing weed as I position myself to clock G's. My enemies scatter in suicidal situations. Never to witness the wicked shit that they was facing. Pockets is packed with presidents, pursue your riches. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to my podcast. 24's podcast, the best video gaming and sports podcast on the entire internet. Ladies and gentlemen, I wanted you to feel me tonight, so I thought I would play Tupac here tonight. We got a lot of stuff to talk about, ladies and gentlemen, an absolutely packed show. Coming off of two days where we talked nonstop about the industry, that is the video gaming industry. I'm back once again to dominate the sports industry. I mean, I go from one industry to another. I dominate both. I mean, I, I'm, I'm multifaceted, multi-talented, multi-faced, multi... I, I got a lot of talents. That's why I'm the best. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be talking about Eagles. We're going to be talking about the Cowboys. I mean, you know, like everybody's been talking about the Dallas Cowboys for months. Nobody's been talking about the Eagles. Um, There's some things that have been going on in the last couple of months that I've really, really been surprised about uh, when it comes to people's takes on the Eagles. Also, uh, I'll be talking about Tampa and Lamar and all these other great things, uh, excuse me, happening in sports, ladies and gentlemen. Right here, 24's podcast. I'm seeing cemetery photos of my peers, conversating like they still here if I die tonight. If I die tonight, scared to die, nigga. If I die tonight. Awesome stuff by Tupac. Amari Shakur. By the way, uh, I found that song. I don't have like a, a Tupac album. I have his greatest hits. And I, I, let me tell you something. There's a lot of songs that are on that album, like Tupac's greatest hits album. That um, that that I felt there's there's some that it's like I feel like we're, we're on that album because they were like because of, of of the drama surrounding some of them. Not hit him up, but other songs. Uh, but there's also some pretty great songs on that album as well. But then there's other songs like uh, like All Eyes On Me that aren't on the song. Wonder Why That's Not On That Song and This Song, uh, If I Die Tonight. It's not on the album. I wish it was, but I'll have to buy like all of his... I'll have to buy more of his albums. But the issue is that he has like so much music because they re-released some of his music. Not re-released, but they released some of his music posthumously i think most of his music actually got released posthumously meaning like after he died ironically enough that's the song that we were just listening to if if i died tonight pox life bonus track like that's another one untouchable pox life don't sleep soon as like it's an album essentially it, it was released posthumously uh what else was here Still I Rise, Tupac and Outlaw, Loyal to the Game, uh, Are You Still Down, that may, yeah, that's an album. I don't know if, like, I know All Eyes on Me and, and Me Against the World, but I don't know any of his new, like, not his new stuff, but any of, like, his 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 original new stuff 
but I also don't know. Like, this album, like, New Mix Classics, two of America's most wanted. Okay, so this is just, like, a, a grouping of some of his, of his, um, of his, like, classics, right? But I got, what was the album? Greatest Hits. It was Tupac's Greatest Hits. It's $6, $7 on, um, on, on iTunes, but I don't have all of his other music, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, and I feel like I should. What is this song? Wonder Why featuring Faith Evans. That's who sings that song. That's a single and it's one minute. Okay, I'm done look, looking at Tupac stuff. Let me light up before we get started. I meant to light up before uh, the podcast. Frick's sake. I meant to light up before the uh, the podcast begun. Unfortunately, I, I kind of had some ideas and things of that nature. And I wanted to get started really, really quickly. God, I almost burned my hand again. I got to shove my hand in a candle. And I'm using one of the cheap lighters that doesn't have a strong flame. So the flame is literally licking my finger. My finger is on fire right now. It's hot. So, sorry about that. So, as I kind of hinted uh, during the... um, during the intro, I got a lot of stuff to talk about, sports stuff, because a lot of stuff has has happened in the last couple of days. Ever since I stopped covering sports, it's like, what a surprise. A lot of stuff has happened, because uh, not Tupac, 24 hasn't been there. So, let's get started with this. I was on ESPN a couple of days ago, watching NFL, not, uh, not Nive, but NFL Live. They had Wendy Nix, Diana Rossini. Ryan Clark and uh, somebody else. They were talking about the Cowboys. They were talking about uh, like 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 predicting which or not which, but like how many wins and how good the Cowboys were going to be and stuff like that. And and I mean they were they were dogging on the Cowboys. Of course they are, because that's all people can do. They can just dog on the Cowboys and they can say, well, you know, and and the, and they were bringing up Mike McCarthy and they were like Dallas is like fifth overall for winning the Super Bowl. And then they were like, I in in Tampa Bay, I think was like tenth for um for like odds at winning the Super Bowl. I think it was like ESPN's FPI. Let me try and see if I can't find it. And they were like, I don't understand how the Eagles aren't higher. The Eagles were six, by the way, and I think the Packers were like they were they were something. Where were they? They were like fifteenth, I think. Yeah. So here it is. Dallas was fifth, and this is for Football Power Index. Dallas was fifth. Tampa was, I think, eighth. Weirdly enough, they aren't. Hold on. Where's the rank? Yeah, they. Hold on. Tampa. Yeah, I mean, like, they're, they're not showing me the numbers, but it's like Tampa's eighth. Green Bay looks like it's like 15th or 16th or something like that. They don't have the numbers with the rank, so um, this is just like FPI and stuff like that. Um, it, it's just, it's just their, their power rankings right now. So, okay. They're also showing me the uh, the win losses and thing and things of that nature. All right, that makes sense. So Dallas comes in at 5th and they they lose their mind. Oh my god, Dallas sucks. They suck. They so they they didn't bring up any real good points probably besides um Ryan Clark saying that Mike McCarthy was was like 6 and 7 or 6 and 9 or something like that. No, not 6 and 9. That's a, that's like that's impossible because he got fired, I think, at the beginning or at the end of the season or something like that. I don't know. I think it was like 6-9-1, which would be 17, 
16 games, excuse me. What was his final record? In Green Bay. Was it 6-9-1? I thought he got fired midway through the season, which is why I'm like, I don't I don't know. He was 4-7-1. My bad. He was 4-7-1, and, and then he got fired. So they bring up that, and they don't really talk about anything else, like, specifically. Like, they don't talk about the defense. They don't talk about anything. Let me – I had it pulled up, too. Like, I'm like, well, were they really just talking about a bunch of bad, like, arguments, and they didn't bring up anything else? Jesus Christ, man. Uh, Here it is. I think this th- – this is probably it here. Okay, so I got it pulled up on my computer. So this is them uh, talking about the Cowboys and stuff like that. Do you have with this list? It's just that we just keep doing this with the Cowboys, <laughs> Wendy Nix. Why? 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 Every offseason. Last I checked, when you go back to the playoffs last year, I didn't see the Cowboys. They were 8-18. Eight and 18. The Cowboys were a team that couldn't beat the Philadelphia Eagles when Diana Rossini. By the way, um, let me just preface this by saying that on the on the telecast, they have uh, Cowboys are number five in ESPN's FPI football power index, and they are 9.3. They have 9.3 projected wins, 69% chance to make the playoffs. Hasselbeck and Wendy Nix were playing skill positions for Carson Wentz. They lost that game. And so all of a sudden, they're that much better. Is it because of Mike McCarthy? The same Mike McCarthy that was fired because he was 6'9". Hold on, let me turn it up just a little bit for you. I know it's hard to hear, but uh, th- like this is their volume, not mine. So it's you're going to have, like, there's nothing I can do. And in one with one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen in this game. And not only did they fire him, but to replace him offensively, they went and got a dude that already proved he couldn't coach offense because they were 27th ranked in Tennessee in Matt LaFleur. And so now all of a sudden, that's going to make you so much better. Are you going to be so much better because you drafted C.D. Lamb in the first round when you are already racking up yards at an alarming rate? Does that make them that much? Had they improved more than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? And so if we're going to put this all on Mike McCarthy and what he can do, how much better he like, is I, than Jason I literally – hold on, no, 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 no. I literally saw Diana uh, Rossini. Like, like, I looked at Matt Hasselback's face, and I looked at Diana Rossini's face for, like, a split second, and, like, they're just ready to just jump all over this. They're like, ooh, we're so excited to talk shit about the Cowboys. Let's continue forward. McCarthy and by the way I still haven't I'll, I'll, I'll address Mike McCarthy in a second but I still like really haven't heard that much besides like oh they missed the playoffs last season and all that good stuff and we'll, we'll continue forward he can do how much better he is than Jason Garrett I think we have to put Mike McCarthy's resume we have to put it in perspective and say you know what he probably underachieved with who was the best quarterback we had seen up until seeing Patrick Mahomes so for me they Tom Brady's better Ryan Clark should know about it because he, he lost constantly to Tom Brady. Don't belong there. They're not even in the top five of the NFC contenders to me. And so we've done it once again. We saw Jerry Jones drafting on his yacht and we all got excited. <laughs> 
that don't win no games. The yacht can't win no games. Having fun in the offseason can't win no games. Your team being worth $5 billion don't win no games. This team didn't make the playoffs. They're still outside of the top five of the playoffs this year, and I'm just disgusted that we're having this conversation <laughs> during a time like this in America, Wendy Nix. Now talk to Diana and Tim for the rest of the show. I have retired from TV. <laughs> Wait, let me just say this. It's still like more fun to draft on a yacht. That's all I'm going to say. It might not win any games, but it's still more fun. Go ahead, Tim. By the way, we're going to listen to all this. No, 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 no. Um, no, we're not going to listen to all this. This is like a long-ass like segment. Uh I, I could listen to this type of stuff all day long. I think it's funny. I think it's entertaining. Um, but I also, like, semi-take it seriously because they're actually kind of, like, even though this is entertainment, they kind of are taking this seriously, I guess. Like, this is something that, like, this is their opinions. Um, I <laughs> I think it's a little bit funny to watch. But um, let, let's continue forward. So there's 32 teams on there. When that list came out, it was like the Cowboys just like jumped off the page for me. I was like, wait a second. Hold on a minute. Five with the Dallas Cowboys? Like, I'm not sure the best team in their own division. You look at some of the teams behind them, like the Seattle Seahawks. Seems like the Green Bay Packers, 10 spots behind them. I'm like, wait a second. Like, um, yeah, I get the Mike McCarthy thing. I, you know, people are excited about it and all of that. Remember, Mike McCarthy isn't even with his players right now. Think of the chat. No, for like, I, I don't want to like talk that much a- about this, but it's like, it's so weird how like listen closely to just what they're saying, and I think that this is just I think that this is funny, but just listen like how closely, not even closely, but listen to like the context of what they're saying and the content of what they're saying. Like they're saying nothing. They have given me, they're like, you know, like Ryan Clark, one of his points was, you know, oh, so drafting CeeDee Lamb, give, uh, does that give you an edge, or not even an edge, but that does that push you forward as an offense? Does that push you forward as a team? Because even though you were racking up a bunch of yards last season, you 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 know, having the number one wide receiver in the draft, that doesn't, that doesn't push you forward as an offense. Like, like stuff like that, it's like, it's just easy to poke holes in the argument, and the, even the Mike McCarthy argument that it's just like, it's just it's just funny and weird to me that like these are the these are the hills that they're these are the battlegrounds that they're willing to fight on. Like this is where they like this is where they they're like draw the sand or draw the line in the sand and make their final stand and it's like it's just it's funny to me. It's weird and it's funny to me at the same token. At, uh, like a couple of years ago I would have been like no you're wrong. And in fact probably like a couple of months ago I would have been like no you're wrong you're this and that. And then it's like it's like once you realize you're the best at just you know, at sports, at talking sports, and nobody, maybe not sports, and maybe not sports as a whole because there's some weaknesses that I have, but it's like, once you realize you have the best sports podcast on the entire internet, it's like, it's like all the other opinions, they don't really matter. But it's fun to watch. That every new coach has. And so, you know, even if you are, you know, overly <laughs> optimistic about the influence that Mike McCarthy is going to have right away, He's not even in the same room as his players. So I, I just look at this. Just like every other coach in the league isn't in the same room with their players. Great point. Tim Hasselbeck. Great point. And I understand that people are excited. The quarterback's coming off the best year of his career. Maybe they're, they've upgraded the receiver position. There have <laughs> been some losses, you know, on that team. But golly, all the way up at five, that one stuck out like a sore thumb. 
I feel like this club is like the hate the Dallas Cowboys club, <laughs> and it's not intended to be. In fact, it's one of those days I was here in studio because I don't think the three of us have ever agreed on anything, and we are all in agreement here Fact. because it really did just stick out so much because here's the thing. You look on paper at this Cowboys roster. You look at their schedule. They've got a really easy schedule, so automatically you think they're going to be good. They're going to win the division. <laughs> But then you start thinking about what they actually... I love how she just... I love how she's like, you know what? They're playing up against Cleveland, which is loaded with offensive talent with Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, and Joku, Kareem Hunt, and Nick Chubb, and Baker Mayfield, and they have a new offensive head coach. I love how she's like, you know what? The NFC North with the Browns, the Steelers, and the Baltimore Ravens, and the NFC West, which has four teams that can go to the playoffs... They're playing up against seven potential playoff teams this season and the division winner and the Eagles twice. I love how she's like, that's an easy schedule. Are and what they're dealing with. Tim points to the new head coach situation. You have to always make that a factor, especially with a quarterback still going through these contract negotiation situations. We don't know what's going to actually happen here. We're about 49 days away from finding out what the future is. These guys aren't even together. Dak's not even participating in these virtual meetings which don't matter. Literally, the Saints, by the way, they canceled virtual offseason. They were like, see you in training camp. This stuff, to, to some extent, this stuff matters, but training camp is really the most important thing about like the offseason program. Like OTAs, voluntary like workouts, and so, th- that stuff doesn't matter. It is the, uh, the training camp, getting that rapport day in and day out. That's the type of stuff that matters. It's not, it's not all this other stuff. You know who is? Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton is in those meetings right now learning this. <laughs> offense. So while it's so tempting to go, all right, the Cowboys are winning the NFC East because of the good offseason they had. They got to bring this all together. And you know who's got a team that's very good at keeping it all together? It's the Eagles, which is why I have Philly winning that division way over the Dallas Cowboys. All right, listen, I like the way it brought us all together, though, right? It's a very unifying force, those Cowboys. Uh, let's talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Great job. So that was the uh, the segment that I was listening to, I think, a couple of days ago. Um, yeah, that's that's super weird. So everybody is everybody's talking about the Dallas Cowboys, like, oh, my God, the Dallas Cowboys, they suck. They're not a very good team. This and that, blah, blah, blah. Dak Prescott isn't with his team. C.D. Lamb isn't that big of a deal. The Philadelphia Eagles, they're way better. Okay. So, let's kind of unpack some of this stuff. First and foremost, um, the Eagles are overrated, and the Dallas Cowboys, for some weird reason, are underrated. Uh, It's weird how some of the best, and this is kind of the feeling that I've had for the last, like, couple of weeks, that Dallas's offseason moves have been, like, supremely like undervalued and underrated like everybody's like oh yeah they got the number one wide receiver in the draft that doesn't matter oh yeah Mike McCarthy one of the best head coaches in free agency in the last couple of years that doesn't matter oh yeah them adding on Don Terry Poe and Gerald McCoy that doesn't matter oh yeah getting Neville Gallimore on the football team in the third round that doesn't matter oh they lost Byron Jones they don't have any cornerbacks even though they drafted two and Reggie Robinson the second, excuse me, and they got uh, Trevon Diggs. That's the, who who was projected to be, by the way, a top twenty-five pick. That doesn't matter. In fact, he was projected to go to the Dallas Cowboys. 
at 25. That doesn't matter. Oh, Dak Prescott having 4,900 yards in a run-first offense, by the way. Got to make that very, very clear. In an offense where they ran more, or not more, but they tried to run it more than they passed. They ran it constantly. That doesn't matter. In fact, I have, where is it? I have his numbers. Not his numbers, but the team's numbers. Run-pass ratio. Here it is. I just pulled it up on my computer. Like, most of the time, this is week by week. So, for 16 weeks straight, this is runs. The percentage of times that the Dallas Cowboys ran the football. 53%, 62%, 59%, 70%, 50%, yeah, 50%, 78%, 69%, 53%, 78%. That was the Minnesota game. 42%, that was the Lions game. The uh, uh, 79%, New England. 53%. 69% Bears, 63%, that was against the Rams, 45% against Philly for some ungodly reason, even though your quarterback was hurt, and then 53% against Washington. Like, they run it, on average, significantly more than they threw it, and Dak still had over 5,000 yards, or not 5,000, but 4,000 yards, so all that stuff, run run first offense, running team, None of that stuff matters. You know, Dak sucks. Cowboys suck. They're not making the playoffs. Eagles are better. Eagles will win the division this year against the Cowboys. Hmm. Interesting that people should say that. So, first and foremost, let's just get something straight out of the way. The 8-8 eight and eight season. Uh, the more I... The more, not even the more I look at Jason Garrett, but the more things that come out about the coaching staff of last season, of last year, uh, the more it looks, it puts Jason Garrett and company in horrendous light. Like, I don't mean a bag on Jason Garrett all the time. You know, he's not even on the football team. Um, but every single time people mention Jason Garrett and they're, and they're like, he's going to be a great offensive coordinator and the Giants are going to be great. And like, we'll see. We'll see. We got like a couple of months later, but a couple of months left, but we'll see just how good the Giants are. But as of last year, as of what they were capable of doing last year with an absolutely loaded roster, they went eight and eight. Yet again, there's a reason why only two coaches in the league, not even in the league, but in league history, are notorious for eight and eight seasons, and that's Jason Garrett and Jeff Fisher. Those two guys, some people are like, well, it's weird how people how people perceive Jason Garrett and Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher right now doesn't have a job. He doesn't have a job. And by doesn't have a job, I mean he doesn't have a job coaching. He has the most eight and eight seasons in league history. Four, by the way. And then you look at Jason Garrett. Or not four. What is it? I think it's five and then Jason has four? Hold on. Just want to make sure. Where's his coaching? Hold on. They're showing me his game logs as a player. I think this is his actual. Here we go. These are his actual coaching. So he has one, two, three, four. So Jeff Fisher has five, eight, and eight seasons. There's a reason why Jeff Fisher doesn't have a job anymore. A, he's a he's not necessarily the best 
when it comes to dealing with pressure. Like, he got rid of one of the Rams' greatest players of all time from the sidelines, and that was Eric Dickerson, and he was like, you can't go to the games anymore. Eric Dickerson was like, that's ridiculous. I'm one of the most important, like, people in this franchise. Like, you're ridiculous. But then Jason Garrett, it's like, well, Jason Garrett's the nice guy, so, you know, we'll, we'll still have, have him be an offensive coordinator. Keep in mind, Jason Garrett, by the way, coached 10, 10 less years than Jeff Fisher and had one less season that was 8-8, eight eight, okay? His win percentage is .559, so almost 56%. Mike McCarthy's is .61%. So uh, winning 61% of your games, yes, that is, that is very good. Uh, 50% is average. So if Jason Garrett is winning 56% of his games, guess what? He is slightly above average. Slightly. And even then, it's like, let's say if I get rid of Dak, he's even worse. Because he only has one season where he has double-digit wins, and that was the 2014 season. Dak has two of the three seasons where he would have won... Uh, where he would have won, or not would have, but won double-digit wins. It wasn't until Dak. Everybody's like, well, he he, he had a significant impact on Tony Romo's career. Uh, he only won 12 games, or excuse me, he only had one season with 10 wins on Tony, with Tony, once. And that was in 2014, by the way. With Dak, he easily could have had three or four seasons where he had 10 wins if he was a better coach. This notion that Jason Garrett is a great coach, I I just don't understand it. And when you move away from Jason Garrett, when you move away from his inability to coach, and you go to like the pure and simple facts of the matter, like the reality is, is that Mike McCarthy is going to provide incredible stability, a lot of flexibility, and incredible like creativeness, maybe not incredible creativeness, but creativity, excuse me, to this team's offense and defense. He's already done that. It looks like they're going to have some type of a uh, hybrid style defense where they're going to have, it looks like maybe five pass rushers, maybe four. I shouldn't say pass rushers, but you know they're going to be playing a similar style of defense when it comes to uh, to, to the line of scrimmage, defensive, defensively, of course, to the uh, to the Rams. Like if you ever if you've ever seen the Rams play defense, of course, like a couple of um, like a couple of uh, not not a couple of days ago, but a couple of uh, oh my god, like last year, the year before, and I think the year before that with Wade Phillips, they had five guys on the line of scrimmage, which is why they got Clay Matthews, for example. They were like Clay Matthews is kind of one of those hybrid style linebackers who's turned into you know pretty much a guy that's going to play at the line of scrimmage. He's going to be, you know, your strong, your strong, uh, your strong side linebacker, your weak side linebacker, or DPR, a designated pass rusher. And um, Wade Phillips talks about match zone and like the defensive concepts with Wade are fantastic. And you're going to have that next season. You could have potentially your defensive ends because you're in a three-four B. Tyrone Crawford, Gerald McCoy, and your defensive tackle, your nose, be Don Terry Poe, and your defensive ends could be potentially DeMarcus, maybe not your defensive ends, excuse me, your outside linebackers are going to be 
uh, Demarcus Lawrence on the left side and uh, Alden Smith or Randy Gregory or Bradley Anai on the right side, right? So you're going to have five guys at the line of scrimmage, essentially. So they're going to have that change defensively. Then on top of that, offensively, I mean, I won't even get into the the, uh, the context of how great of an offensive mind Mike McCarthy is, and I'll get on the Green Bay Packers here in a couple of minutes. But if you pretty much take out that season, the uh, the 2018 season, the 7-9 and nine season where literally nothing went wrong or nothing happened correct uh, with that football team, they still went 7-9, and nine, which that was okay, but... Um, like Aaron Rodgers was like in and out of that season and it just wasn't a good season for them. And I think they had some other players hurt as well. Uh, after or not after, but before those two seasons, 10 and six, 10 and six, 12 and four, eight and seven, 11 and five, 15 and one. I think that was when Rodgers had like one of his most efficient seasons ever. 10 and six, that was the year that they won the Super Bowl. 11 and five, six and 10, 13 and three. And then in 2006, ironically enough, his only season where he has gone 8-8 eight and eight, was the 2006 season, which was his rookie season as an NFL head coach. Now, it's funny that Ryan Clark talks about... Let me charge my computer here. Hold on. It is funny that, sorry about that, it is funny that Ryan Clark talks about Aaron Rodgers as if he is a great player. He's a diva at quarterback, and his play has been declining for years now. I'll talk about Dak and how that relates to Dak in a couple of minutes, but his play has been declining. Ryan Clark was like he's one of the best quarterbacks of all time, even though he got sliced and diced by Tom Brady. One of the best quarterbacks of our time, stuff like that. Mike McCarthy, apparently he had to get massages during walkthroughs because of how much stress it was to deal with Aaron Rodgers. And seeing how Matt LaFleur and the GM of the Packers, how they just drafted, I can't really blame him. Who did they get in the first round this year? A quarterback with a big arm named Jordan Love. They didn't even hesitate. They traded up to get him. Traded up. They didn't. They weren't going to take Justin Jefferson. He was already off the board. They were like, cool. We're going to take just Jordan Love. And I got something very, very important to talk about with Jordan Love here as well in a couple of minutes. They said, no, we're done with Aaron. We're drafting a quarterback. Something significant they said yesterday or even today about Jordan Love and his use in the offense. Because they're going to use him, by the way. Or they're planning to use him. Or apparently, it's almost a lock. Or not almost, but it's pretty much a lock. With with Jordan Love in the offense. So Mike McCarthy goes on to a more level-headed, more just more coachable player in Dak Prescott. Every single year, Dak Prescott works uh, with, um, or, or for the last couple of years, he's worked with a new offensive coordinator in the last two years. He's worked with in the last four, three years. He's, this year is going to be his fourth quarterback coach. Um, but he, in the last like three to four years, he's had four different quarterback coaches. Not because he, his play has been declined, but because they, they keep on switching him up. 
So now, Dak Prescott, he's got a way better head coach in Mike McCarthy. He's going to have way better pieces around him. Oh, by by the way, CeeDee Lamb, this whole notion that adding CeeDee Lamb isn't that big of a deal, and I feel like people, like, they, they see the pick and they're like, oh my God, they have Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb. How much more better than they than can they be this year? Let me tell you something. C.D. Lamb was the best wide receiver in this draft. C.D. Lamb is probably going to be somewhere close to a Pro Bowler this season or next season. Like he's going to have a Pro Bowl nod this season or next season in a conference where there's Julio Jones, uh, Mike Evans, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Like he's going to be on that high of a level. He's that good in the next couple of years. on top of having a pro bowler in Amari Cooper and one of the best young uh, wide receivers in Michael Gallup. How much does CeeDee Lamb increase Dallas's offense exponentially? Like, there's probably not going to be a third guy that the, the defenses are going to have nightmares with Dallas. There's no way that you can defend three guys at a high level for 16 weeks. Like, knock on wood, all three of them stay healthy. And if all three of them stay healthy, like, it's going to be a... And then on top of that, you get Zeke and Blake Jarwin. Like, it's going to be a nightmare for defenses. I feel like Dallas next year, first and foremost, just to be clear, I think ESPN's ranking was spot on with Dallas. I think they, they hit it right on the head. Um, you know, their, what, what was their ranking again? Kansas City was first. Baltimore was second. San Francisco was third. Saints are fourth. Dallas is fifth. Eagles are sixth. Got a problem with that? But I'm happy where Dallas is. Now, by the way, behind the Eagles, Seattle, Tampa, New England, Eagles aren't better than those teams. But when it comes to like, when it comes to Dallas and their ability as an offense to make dynamic plays, they got every, they got all, they got all the pieces. They got three Pro Bowl offensive linemen. One guy on ESPN a couple of days ago was like, Dallas's Lael Collins wasn't that good of a right tackle for them. And it's like, you obviously know nothing about the Cowboys. You obviously, I don't know if you watch, I don't know if he watched Cowboys football. I don't know what he was doing, but he obviously went on the air, probably got some talking points, um, and some ridiculous notion that Lael Collins isn't one of the best right tackles in the league. Let me just look this up, ranking-wise. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm in the wrong here. I doubt it, but let's just see. Let me just see about the rankings for right tackles in the league. PFF. Top 25, what is this? Is this right tackles? It's not right tackles. It is uh, It is just, it's players. It's offensive linemen. So, oh, wait, check this out. He's the third, he's third at tackle according to PFF. He's the eighth best, and this is through week 15. So this is pretty much all, This is, this is every single week except for two weeks. Um, Leo Collins is ranked number eighth according to uh, to Pro Football Focus. He's third at tackle. Tyron, and I'll read this for you. 
Tyron Smith is the tackle for the Cowboys that garners the national attention, and he was selected one, and he was the one selected, excuse me, to the Pro Bowl earlier this week, and Smith isn't having a bad season by any means, but Collins has been better in 2019 with an overall grade of 84.3 that ranks third among all tackles, like Johnson and Ramchek, that is Kyle Ramchek and Lane Johnson. Collins has taken a big step forward this season as a run blocker. Once he gets hold of a guy, there are few offensive linemen that can seemingly move defenders at will like Collins can. Due to the circumstances surrounding Collins coming out of the draft, the Cowboys were able to land him as an undrafted free agent. And five years into his career, that acquisition is beginning to pay dividends. And I'm pretty sure they got him, I don't know how long. I'm going to check over the cap. For Lael Collins, let me just check it. How much money do they got, Collins? They got him for pff, four million. How long? How long is he? How how long is Lael? He's gonna get it's it's gonna be four million. It was four million in 2019. 4 million this year and then it's going to balloon up to 12 million, 13 million, 13 million. It's technically 13.5 million from 2022 to 2023 and then it's going to balloon back down to 11 million. They got his ass for like accidentally clicked on an, on a stupid ass ad. It's going to like he he's going to be here for the next 5 years. Uh good luck with that and let me just te- check right tackle here. <laughs> he's not even in the top 20 he, he's he's uh where is he average per year he is in the one two three four five six seven he is the seventh highest paid right tackle in the league because average wise he's making an average of 10 years but they did some magic with his cap with his number and they got him down to like four four million this year and then it's going to balloon up for two years and then it's going to balloon back down to 11 million so that guy was talking out of his ass of course he was Lael Collins still one of the best right tackles in the league but when you pair up the best right tackle or one of the best right tackles in the league you pair left tackle Tyron Smith you pair up Zach Martin you pair up uh you can have Connor McGovern as your center. Tyler Biadas could be your um, your your backup, and then depending on what you like and how you like them, you could either have Connor Williams or you could move Connor McGovern and have Tyler Biadas as your starter. Really depends on what's going on. But for the most part, and by the way, it it certainly helps that Zach Martin is sitting right next to the center. It also helps that Connor McGovern is sitting right next to Tyron Smith, or not Connor McGovern, excuse me, Connor Williams sitting right next to Tyron Smith. Helps out a lot. But this year for the Cowboys, I don't like, I feel like everybody is underestimating them. And that's fine. You know, people want to underestimate them, fine. Well, once they do make it to the playoffs and once they are a contender and once they are, you know, one of the best teams in the league, I don't want to hear anybody complaining. I don't want to hear anybody being like, oh, Dallas is going to suck and Dallas is this, Dallas. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear the excuses for wins. By the way, I'm going to get on the Eagles here in a couple of minutes, but I was watching some of the uh, the guys work out today. Not even today, but yesterday. I was watching Demarcus Lawrence 
practicing in the rain. Tank looks big. He looks strong. I saw Tyron Smith, like, <laughs> like this this dude is a monster. <laughs> Tyron, Tyron Smith, I saw him pick up his son with one hand, like he was a kettlebell, and rise him over his head with one arm. Jesus Christ. Ty- Tyron's a big boy now. I saw even the old guy, Gerald McCoy, putting in some work and some sweats. He looks great, man. Gerald McCoy. Tyron, he I mean Tyron always. The dude the dude is 300 pounds and he has a six-pack. Like the dude always looks good. He looks like Goliath or the Rock. Jesus Christ, that is one big dude, man. I call him the Black Bear. But Gerald McCoy was getting busy. All these dudes, man, these are leaders on the team. Tyron Smith may not have a C on his chest. He is a leader on this football team. Tank has a C on his chest. Gerald McCoy, I love this dude. I can't can't believe we stole him. I cannot believe we got this dude. He's now on the football team. Don Terry Poe. Neville Gallimore, he's going to learn from Gerald McCoy. He's a three technique, both are threes. I love this a lot for the Cowboys. Just keep on under, just keep on under, undermining our moves. I'm watching Gerald McCoy right now. The dude still has sauce. He's still got juice. I saw CeeDee Lamb running routes, working on his footwork. I saw it all. These dudes aren't playing. Mike McCarthy, everybody's taught making much ado about nothing with the with with the OTAs and the virtual off uh, offseason program. It's like Dak has the playbook. What are you talking about? Dak is a master, not a master, but he studies. He gets the work done. He puts in the work. Oh, so Dak isn't going to learn the playbook now? He's not going to go in week one and know what the plays are. He may not know what the scheme is. He may not necessarily know what the philosophy is. In fact, he probably does it because guess what? He's texting with Kellen Moore. You don't think he's talking to his guys? They're not installing a new offense. Like this notion that Dallas is installing a new offense with Kellen Moore and Mike. The whole reason why they kept Kellen Moore was because they saw this coming. Like, it amazes me how terrible, how, how, not how terrible, but how much people want to talk about the Cowboys without knowing anything about the Cowboys. It's so weird to me. It's like, wow, like 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 you know nothing about what's going on. Like you like if if the Eagles got CD Lamb, everybody would have would have lost their mind. But when the Dallas got got, got CD Lamb, it was like, oh, you know, it's like how much better can they be? How much better? Dak threw 5000 yards last season. How much better? Well, he can have his efficiency increase significantly. He can have Over 4,500 yards, somewhere close to 40 touchdowns next season. His efficiency can skyrocket. It can go through the roof. Dallas could essentially be Golden State, where they just score points over and over and over again. And they kind of started to do that last season in the third quarter, and I was like, oh, Dallas is like Golden State, where they just balloon up in in the third quarter, and then they just play keep away in the fourth. They just get so many points in the third quarter that it's like, oh wait, they're they're now up by two and they have Zeke. And they and Zeke is refreshed because all throughout that third quarter they minimized the use of Zeke and they just kept on throwing bombs. And once that happened, in the fourth quarter, the defense is gassed, 
Zeke is refreshed. He sat most of the third. And now Zeke gets to pound the rock. And now we're just going to gain more yards and more touchdowns. It's like, and waste more time. Like, you want to hate on the Cowboys? Hate on the Cowboys, man. But at least have good reasons to hate on the Cowboys. If you're going to try and attack me intellectually, if you're going to try and attack me with facts, come at me with facts. Otherwise, just be an entertainer. Just be, you know, just, you know, just talk your shit. But don't try and be both because I'll check you. I will check you. These dudes are killing it right now. DeMarcus Lawrence is one of the best defensive ends in the league, and I've been hard on him incorrectly. That's on me. I said he had a down year. No, he did not. That is my fault. I apologize. I'm sorry, Tank. I'm sorry, D-Law. That's my bad. He's still one of the best defensive ends in the league. Dak is still one of the best football players on that team. So is Zeke. So is Coop. So is Tyron Smith. Even though people are like, he's injury prone. He misses three games a season. That's it. Lael Collins, Zach Martin. I don't understand why people keep on, like, like logically speaking, forget, like, erase the metallic silver and blue star. Just put any team, any team logo on, on the Dallas Cowboys. It can be the Eagles. If the Eagles made offseason moves where they got a significantly better head coach after Jason Garrett was completely dysfunctional for the last 10 years, if they got a top 10 draft pick in C.D. Lamb at 17th, then they got a top 25 pick in, um, in, in Trevon Diggs in the second round. If they got a third round pick uh, or a guy who should have probably got drafted in the second round, in fact, that's where I had Neville Gallimore, in the third round, if they got a Reggie Robinson who's going to probably be a flex player, probably a special teams player um, in the fourth round, that's great value. And then you got... Uh, Bradley and I, one of the one of the best and most underrated defensive ends in the draft, because he went in the fifth round to the Cowboys. If you got him, and then you got the Remington Award winner and Tyler Biades in the fifth round as well, like all that stuff. If you did that stuff as the Eagles, you would have been like, "Damn, you had a good. We had a good. We had a good draft." And then who did they get? They got Jalen Rager. They got um, uh, who was the guy? Mar- Marquise Goodwin. They got him. He's a speedster. His numbers are terrible. They got Deshaun Jackson back. They're going to have Alshon. They're going to have Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard and all those guys. Everybody's like, whoo, they, they, they really improved it, even though they're still missing parts at linebacker. Even though their left tackle, Jason Peters, is, is gone. And, you know, I think Andre Dillard is now going to be the guy. And I don't know anything about him, to be honest with you. Like safety, question mark, corner. You got Darius Slay Jr., but Dallas has three guys and a tight end. And you still don't have guys that can stop Zeke. Maybe at the defensive line, but once he gets to that second level, who's the linebackers that are going to be tackling him? So now, all of these pieces are starting to come together offensively and then defensively. It's like Jalen Smith, he was bad in coverage. He's now going to be moved to probably be a DPR designated pass rusher. 
He's going to be a guy that's going to be moving forward instead of side to side and maybe not side to side, but dropping back into coverage, excuse me. He's going to be destroying quarterbacks this season. It's exactly what he did at Notre Dame. Layton, who I think is way better at the mic, he's now going to play the mic. Jalen is going to say play Sam. Sam is in strong side linebacker. Mike is in middle linebacker. Sean Lee is still going to be there. A lot of potential for this team to figure out certain pieces in their secondary, and they can, and they will, and better coaching. I don't get it. I don't get it. Any other team made these moves. And then on top of that, you got, like, the fact that the Dallas Cowboys got CeeDee Lamb, and people want to make it as if that's not, like, an important thing that they just did. CeeDee Lamb is probably going to be better than Randall Cobb was um, in, in his entire career. Like, I think CeeDee Lamb could probably have somewhere between 500 to 1,000 yards on a team where uh, on a team where they have 2,000-yard wide receivers. I think for, like, the first time since, like, the 90s, a team could have three dudes with 1,000 yards. Nobody on that receiving core is selfish. They don't care. They're just like, wins and whoever is open. Like, it's, it's just that simple. God help you if if we get Gregory or if we get Griffin as in Everson or Jadavian Clowney. And they're out there. If they can take a pay cut and Dallas, like Dallas needs to sign Dak, but if they can find a way to just be like, we're going to get, we're going to have all of those guys on the defensive end plus Everson Griffin or a Jadavian Clowney. You don't want to see us. You don't want to see us. That front seven will be demonstrative. But people want to talk about the Cowboys. People want to make the layups. People want to, you know, you know, um, you know, instead of dunking or shooting threes, they just want to make the layups. Make make little like like three foot inches. They don't want to get vertical. They don't want to get physical. They don't want to get smart. They just want to take the layups. They don't want to do the tomahawk jams. They don't want to. They don't want to shoot the half court threes. Be dynamic. Be interesting. They just want to make the girly little layups. Okay. All right. All right. Keep on making the layups. I'll keep tomahawk dunking, putting my nuts in your face, shooting from half court. Okay. All right. All right. I don't want to hear it, though. Midway through the season, when Dallas looks like easily the best team in the conference, or one of the best teams in the conference, they were. T- by the way, and I'm not going to play what they um what they said later on, but they also said that um that that they would put the Packers or whatever, excuse me, over the Cowboys, and because the Packers they had an awesome off season. They'd put the Pat not ahead of the Cowboys. Yeah, the, ahead of the Cowboys, they would put the Packers in front of the Cowboys. I like I roll my eyes on that. They're like, I would put the Packers in front of Tampa. Okay. All right. But let's get on to the Eagles. So, and kind of the Packers, because they're kind of just, I'm going to kind of lump them up here in the same spot. Eagles, and by the way, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I'm not going wild, not going crazy. Usually I would, you know, if, if people came at my team sideways, I would I would start going crazy. It's like, I'm not going to go crazy. I'm Like, why do I need to go crazy? I'm straight. I'm cool. I just feel like some of like I feel like 
some of the things, some of the narratives with the Dallas Cowboys are just so ridiculous that it's just not even worth an energized and passionate response. It's just like, I'm just going to freaking freeze my response and serve it to you like it's some dry ice or something like that. Just put it in a mail, and once you touch it, you'll burn your hands because it's so cold. Like, that doesn't even make any sense. It's like, yeah, you'll burn your hands once you touch my dry ice. I'm spitting cold, hard facts. But the Eagles and the Packers, I don't understand this notion that, for example, the Eagles are one of the best teams um, in, in, in the NFL, ahead of the Buccaneers and ahead of the Patriots and the Seahawks. I don't understand that at all. Oh, Carson Wentz beats uh, uh, three teams that didn't have head coaches at the end of the season. So what? So what? Oh, he did it with practice squad players. So Brady didn't do that with practice squad players. He didn't go to a playoff run with practice squad players. A three-game stretch is where people are like, yep, here he is. This is Carson Wentz. Like, okay, let's see how he does that. Can he do that against Ron Rivera? Let's see how he does against Ron. Let's see how he does against Mike. Let's see. Let's see. Let's give it a shot. Let's see. Let's test this dude's metal. Because he's going to get tested. Two of the teams, by the way, and yeah, no, wait. Four of the teams in the top five when it comes to the NFL Power Index, the Eagles are going to be playing. They're going to be playing up against the NFC West and the AFC North. So they're going to be playing... They're going to, yeah, they're going to be playing up against Baltimore. They're going to be playing up against the 49ers. They're going to be playing up against Dallas twice. And they're going to be playing up against the Saints because they have, they are, excuse me, the one seed in our division. Have fun dealing with the Saints and the Packers this year, Eagles. Oh, but they beat, they beat the, they, they beat the Packers in, in, uh, in, what is it, Foxborough? No, uh, in uh, Lombardi. What's it called? Lambo. They beat them in Lambo 24. All right, let's see if he can do it again. It's not just about one and done, it's about doing it consistently. Let's see. Because he's going to be tested this year. He will be tested this year. And after this year, I'm, I'm shutting it down. If Carson Wentz does not make the playoffs this season, I'm shutting it all down. I'm shutting it down. I'm gonna have I'm gonna come fully loaded with a bunch of ammunition. Do you wanna know why? Because Dak Prescott is going to the playoffs. And Carson Wentz, once again, will not. One playoff trip in five years. His team has gone to the playoffs three times in the last three years and he's only played for four minutes. His team has won, I think, four or three games without him. Including the Super Bowl, by the way. Just in case if you were wondering. Everybody's like, well, the Eagles, they're a great football team. Who's their safety? Who's their number two guy? How do you know they're going to beat Dallas? Dallas is going to have three guys. Oh, how is Dallas going to get it? Excuse me. Dallas is going to have four guys. Oh, how are Dallas going to give it to, to CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup and Blake Jarwin? Exactly how they gave it to Jason Witten for like 800 or 600 yards last season. Like Jason Witten... They shouldn't have gone to him so often. 
even though he's one of, he's one of the, the best Dallas Cowboys of all times. But, like, I have his numbers here. Hold on. Let me pull up Jason, Jason Witten's numbers. Comparatively to Blake Jarwin. Keep in mind, Jason Witten played the majority of the snaps and got double, double. Yes, you heard that right. Double. The receptions of Blake Jarwin. And he only had 200 more yards. Blake Jarwin was averaging three more yards per catch than Jason Witten. He has 300 yards. He has 33 receptions. 361 yards, 365 yards, excuse me, and 31 receptions, excuse me, and he has three touchdowns comparatively to Jason Witten's four touchdowns. Hello, like, am I am I speaking Mandarin here? Am I speaking Chinese? Jason Witten had 83 targets, caught uh, caught 63 of them. Blake Jarwin, he had how many targets? He had 41. He was catching everything that came his path. He had a 75% catch percentage in the last two seasons. His yards to gain, what what is this? Receiving yards per game, excuse me, was 22 last season. It went up constantly from 19.2 in 2018 and zero because he caught nothing. But it got, it's gone up in the last couple of years. Everything has gone up. Everything. And when I look at Jarwin, I'm like, dude, like, does anyone not understand that he's going to be an invaluable weapon for Dak? And he can run semi-fast? And he's big? And he's strong? And he hasn't had any receptions in the last couple of years? People understand this, right? I feel like they don't. I feel like they don't. He's going to take, Blake Jarwin is going to take Witten's receptions, some of Witten's receptions, or most of them. And then CeeDee Lamb is going to take the others. And and then on top of that, Randall Cobb, Randall Cobb was, all, was also on this team. How many receptions did Randall Cobb have? Like, it's just transferring touches, or carries, or... Or um or receptions or targets. It's just as simple as that. It's like, oh wait, how many how many uh how many how many catches or not catches targets did Randall Cobb have last season? He had eighty three. Guess what? Those some of those are probably going to go to Blake Jarwin. Some of those are probably going to go to Zeke. Some of those are going to C D Lamb. They're running a West Coast offense. That means they're throwing short yardage passes. That means that dudes in the slot are going to be invaluable. CeeDee Lamb can play in the slot. Amari Cooper can play in the slot. CeeDee Lamb can also go down the field. And God help you if you put your number one guy on CeeDee Lamb and you put your nickel on Amari Cooper. God help you. Because you're going to get gassed. That is exactly how Mike Thomas has like 1,700 yards He's probably the third best wide... He's, he's probably one of the best, if not the best wide receivers in the league. That's how he has so many yards in the NFL. He may not necessarily make the sexy plays, but this dude has incredible production. He has 149 receptions, 9 touchdowns, 1,700 yards. 
This dude is almost a 2,000-yard wide receiver. Come on, man. This dude is one of the best in the league, and he plays out of the slot. Is it a matter of a question? Why this dude kills dudes? This guy is unstoppable. And Amari's going to be there next season. Or CeeDee Lamb is going to be there next season. CeeDee Lamb had 22 yards per reception. The question that I have to ask again is, how are you going to stop Dallas? It's not as simple as, oh, Dallas. Like, like how? 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 That's the question that I don't understand. And that's like, what irks me, and, 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 it, and, it's some, and, it's, and it's not even about having a valid discussion. It's about, like, how are you going to stop the Dallas Cowboys next season? Because, you like, unless you're going to rush the passer, but, oh, wait, they got three pro bowlers on the offensive line, and they have another guy as well coming up. It's either going to be uh, Connor Williams or Connor McGovern or Tyler Biades or whoever they're going to put at left guard or center. But when you have at right guard Zach Martin talking to the center... And helping him, it could also be Joe Looney. But when you have the right guard, who's one of the best football players in the league, and Zach Martin talking to the center, and then you have the left tackle, Tyron Smith, talking to the left guard, it's like, dude, like, we don't have a lot of weaknesses on offense. And I keep telling, I keep saying this, because I think this is going to happen. Dallas is going to be like Golden State. They're going to be able to score so many freaking points so fast, it's going to make people's head spins. They're going to be like, wait, 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 wait. We were, we were up by like two points or three points going into the third quarter. Now we're down by 10. And they have the ball back. And it's like the end of the third quarter. It's like, how did this happen? And they got a turnover. I, I tell you something, man. Like Dallas, Dallas. I won't say I don't like to say Dallas is going to surprise some people. Dallas is going to knock some people upside the head, man. Dallas is gonna. Dallas is really, really, really going to show up next season. And do you want to know how I know that? And I'll say this until the season begins, and I'll keep saying this probably deep into the season. Because last year's coaching staff was so anemic. It was so terrible. It made it literally made every unit horrible, which is a special talent, a special circumstance that very, very rare, that is very, very rare to find in coaching staffs, that you're so bad at coaching that you actually make the team worse with your presence. Very, very rare talent that the Dallas Cowboys accomplished last season. Going into this season, the coaching staff is well-experienced. They have records of winning resumes of winning not just Mike McCarthy but the other assistant coaches and they're coming in with flexibility and creativity something that last uh, the last coaching staff the last regime was lacking significantly oh and they actually not actually but they have all the players they have everything they still have Dak they still have Coop they still have Zeke they have all these great players it's like oh wait like they're still going to be great next season Meanwhile, in Philadelphia, you have them drafting a backup quarterback in the second round. Hmm. Hmm. But I get it. I get the themes that uh, that Philadelphia is trying to employ within their offense. Let's have um, let's have a bunch of guys run verts and Jalen Rager and Deshaun Jackson. Let's just have those guys run fast and clean. And then let's have uh, underneath guys, aka tight ends. 
uh, run underneath routes and be reliable targets for our quarterback. Who does that sound like? Sounds like Kansas City. In fact, that is Kansas City. That is their whole concept. It's, hey, we're going to have Deshaun, not Deshaun Jackson, Tyree Kill, Ron Verts. He's going to go forward. We're going to have Travis Kelsey go up the field or run underneath routes or whatever. Like Kansas City's offense is incredibly flexible. But, and this is a misconception with Kansas City, Tyreek Hill is actually a very, very good wide receiver. He's not just a fast guy. Who's another? Who's another guy? Oh, yeah, they got Draylon Rager. Let me read you some numbers here. Let me give you some numbers. So when we're talking about this style of offense, some of the production is going to come. In fact, a lot of the production is going to go to the tight ends, the short throws. Uh, the the explosion that you see in Kansas City with uh, Jalen Rager, who ran like a four four seven, which for context, uh, C D Lamb ran a four five one forty, of course four five one forty, and that was deemed as slow. Meanwhile, Jalen Rager only ran a point zero four faster forty time than C D Lamb. And okay, all right, all right. Let's see how let's see how Jalen does against. NFL corners over uh, guys going up against TCU. But when it comes to Tyreek Hill, uh, he he has two seasons where he has 1,000 yards. He's had, by the way, four seasons in the league. He's had um, 1,100 yards in 2017 and 2018. This is Pat's MVP year. 1,400 yards, 12 touchdowns, uh, 87 receptions. He was incredibly reliable as a wide receiver. In fact, he was, and still is, one of the best. Then in 2019, 860 yards, 7 touchdowns, and still highly productive. With 58 receptions, had 30 less, still incredibly productive. Let's see about Deshaun Jackson. So, has he ever had a season like that before, where he's had, like, double-digit touchdowns? Nope. Has he had a season where he has had um, very, very minimal touches, a.k.a. like 50-something and had 1,000 yards? Yep. When was that last season? In 2016 with Washington, where he had 56. Before that, it was 56 in 2014, 1,100 yards. Before that, 82 receptions, 1,300 yards. Before that, 47 uh, receptions, a thousand yards. So he's had yards or years, excuse me, where he's had high production when it comes to yards. He's had 17.9 yards um, per season, per catch, excuse me, 20.9, which is what CD Lamb averaged in college, 16.2, 15.2, 16.2, 22.5, again, around the same that CD Lamb had in college, on and on and on. But that's almost 10 years ago. In fact, that is 10 years ago. The 22.5 was in 2010. But how consistent does he have 1,000 yards? He's not that consistent. 2018, he had 774. 2017, 668. 2016 was the only year 
outside of his first year with Washington, ironically enough, 2016 was his last year with Washington, where he had 1,000 yards. He's very, very inconsistent at getting 1,000 yards because he kind of gets hurt and uh, quarterback play. Deshaun, not Deshaun, what's his name? Jameis Winston, for some weird reason, just got off while throwing Deshaun Jackson the deep ball. But okay, what about Jalen Rager? Well, Jalen Rager only has 1,000-yard season in college where he had 14.7 yards per catch. He had nine touchdowns, easily his most productive season. But when I watched Jalen Rager play at TCU, and I know that everybody's going to talk about his quarterback and stuff like that, like I, I saw some of his games and I was like, he's kind of not that fast, or he's not as fast as you would think. If you watch his plays, like his highlights, yeah, he'll appear fast, but sometimes I saw some of the plays that they were running and I was like, oh, that's by design. Like he was wide open. Um, he was, he was like, he had a clear lane to the, to the, you know, to the end zone. Like nobody was around him on some plays. Like just sometimes it was good play calling. Sometimes it was great scheming. But when you run a four, four, seven, and you think that that's fast, it ain't that fast. It's not as fast as Justin Jefferson. It's barely as, that's barely faster than CD lamb. It's not that fast. So when you have a guy that's injury prone and inconsistent and another guy that's not that fast, coverage is going to be there. Dudes are going to make plays on the ball. And then on top of that, the thing the thing about speed guys, they're usually short when you match them up on tall, lengthy corners that'll put you in press, that'll jam you at the line of scrimmage and disrupt uh, your your route. Like that's a really really bad bad combination. For short, speedy guys. Dudes that will jam them or double them up down the field. Oh, but you can't j- double up both Jalen and and Deshaun. And if you put John Hightower on the field, you can't double up all those guys. It's like, yeah, you can. Maybe not, not, maybe not double team them, but can you defend against them? Oh, yeah. And you just determine, hey, who's the most important? But then it's like, okay, you know, well, uh, Zach Ertz is the most important guy. Well, good. That's how I want you to play. I want you to throw it to Zach Ertz over your burn guys, over your speed guys that are going to take the top off the defense. That's exactly, especially if you're playing up against Dallas. Their play style, like if if they can't figure out how to have explosive plays with Deshaun Jackson and Jalen Rager next season and John Hightower, they're going to be in trouble because teams are just going to be like, oh, we're just going to guard Zach Ertz, have fun, and we're going to put our guys on um, one-on-one coverage with um, uh, on the outside, and we're just going to double up. Zach Ertz on the inside. Have fun dealing with that. Have fun, Eagles. And those are just... That's that's the best team in your division. Think about going up against the 49ers and their front four and their front seven and their secondary and their offensive coaching. Think about going up against the Ravens and their form of offense where they're just like, yeah, we're just going to play keep away. Think about going up against Seattle. You lost to Seattle twice last year. What about the Rams? They still got some players, even though they traded some of their best away and released one of their best. And they, But they still got Sean McVay and Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. Have fun with Deshaun Jackson. Or not have fun with Deshaun Jackson. Have fun dealing with Jalen Ramsey against Deshaun Jackson or Jalen Rager. And Aaron Donald by the way. Like, there's just so little for me 
that I've seen from the... And then on top of that, Jalen Hurts. How's he going to work? Like, there's just so many issues with the Eagles for me as a staff and what they're planning on doing and what they've said they'll do. Like, it's just like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, oh yeah, we're going to have Jalen Hurts at running back when we could have drafted a running back. It's like, nope, nope. Not how that's supposed to work. You're supposed to draft a running back if you wanted a running back, but... It's like, don't you have that other guy, Jordan, not Jordan Howard, Singletary, what's his name? Sanders? I can't even remember his name, and he was one of the best players on that team. What's his name? I always forget his name. Miles Sanders, right? His name is Miles Sanders. That's who he is? Really? Yeah, Miles Sanders. So you got Miles Sanders on that football team. You got, I think, you, you I, okay, you got Jalen Hurts. It's like you don't really have a possession-wide receiver. You don't have a guy that you can just throw it to and he'll catch it. They have to be speedy guys. Like, the, the issue with, and, and I put speedy guys in, in, in air quotes when it comes to some of those guys, but the, the issue with quote-unquote speedy guys is that they're not big-bodied possession receivers in the sense of, I can't throw it to Deshaun Jackson a hundred times. In fact, you probably won't. I won't throw it to a, um, a Jalen Rager a hundred times, right? Or maybe even a John Hightower. Like, they're not, re- they're not reliable. And that's like the issue. That's kind of the illusion with speedy guys is that you're not going to throw it to him a hundred times a season. Tyree Kill, you will, because he actually has uh, different dynamics to his to his abilities, or not his abilities, but to his play style. He isn't just a speed guy, he's a route runner. So when you throw it to him, it's like he'll catch it. He'll catch a lot of stuff. And he'll run past people. Same thing goes with Julian. It's like, everybody's like, oh, Julian's a, you know, uh, Julian's a, a, a small guy, he's a short guy. Yeah, but he'll, he'll catch the hell out of a football. That's kind of my point with Jalen Rager and Deshaun Jackson. It's like, they're cool. They're not. And, and, and as a Cowboys fan, I've seen this philosophy two years ago with Dallas, where they were like, "Yeah, we're just gonna have a rotating number one wide receiver, like a Deontay Thompson and a Tavon Austin." That did not work out at all for Dallas. They ended up ditching that. They released Deontay Thompson midway through the season, and they traded for Amari Cooper. That didn't work out at all. We just released Tavon, by the way. Didn't work. You got to have depth, not even depth, but you got to have a possession receiver. If your quarterback cannot consistently go towards your number one wide receiver, and more specifically, if your number one wide receiver isn't getting separation consistently, that's a problem. That is a huge problem. Like speed guys, I I wouldn't say that they're gadget guys, but they're not necessarily going to be as reliable as, like, let's say, an Amari Cooper or Mike Thomas. And that is very important. Going deep is important, but having high production and consistency is paramount. It's the most important. And trying to ignore that, like it's not, is a little bit ridiculous. And I feel like that's a lot, that's what a lot of people are doing. With the uh, with the Cowboys versus the Eagles, like everybody's just like, oh wait, um, you know what? Uh, this team, 
the Eagles, they have we, we know they have a bunch of speed guys. We know they have a bunch of fast guys. We're just going igno- to ignore the fact that speed doesn't necessarily equate to productivity. Just going to ignore that. So, it's fine by me. I'm not an Eagles fan. I'm a Cowboy fan. I'm ready to slice them, dice them up next season, especially because they don't have a third corner to stop C.D. Lamb or Mari Cooper. Their nickel guy is Nicole Roby Colbinson, the guy that committed P.I. against the Saints. It's like, people were talking about that as if that's an actual, uh, like, acquisition. How many teams has that guy been on? That guy has been on so many teams, man. And he's the guy that always gets picked on. That guy, Nicole Roby. I think that's how you say his name. Let me go. Let me try and find like this dude on the NFL. Spelled his name wrong. It looks like there aren't any great matches for your. St- Hold on. How do you spell this guy's name? Google can't find this guy. Hold on. Darius Slay, Nickel. Oh my God, Nickel. How how it's how you spell this guy's name is N I C K E L L R O B E Y. Nickel. I thought it was Nicole. Jesus Christ. Nicole Roby Colbin. Okay. Let me look up his stats. So, this guy has um, six sacks in his entire NFL career. He has had... Not six sacks, six interceptions, excuse me, in seven years. He's played from 2013 to 2019. And on top of that, let me check out his starts as well. Game started. You'll love this. One, or not one, two in 2013, seven in 2014. Three in 2015. Three in 2016. These are the Buffalo years. After that, he played three years with the Rams. Four in 2017. One in 2018. And then three in 2019. Hmm. Hmm. He's never started in double-digit, like, games in a season. Like, this dude has been so inconsistent for the majority of his, like, entire career. And he has barely started... Like, in f- in in four years with Buffalo, he started in 15 games. He hasn't started in a full season with Buffalo. He didn't start in a full season with the Rams. This is the guy everybody was like, whoo! They got him. They got a good guy. This is their free agency acquisition. Great job, Eagles. Great job. Fumbles, zero. He has committed zero. He has forced, excuse me. He has forced five fumbles on his career. Two in 2019, so there you go. That's that's actually pretty good. 
And then the last the last one that he committed was in 2017. Passes defended against. He is he's only how many yards has he, has he had against him? That's a good question. I I don't think they track that stat like when it comes to like yards that are scored against you. Oh wait, here we go. Pass coverage. He has a 64% completion percentage against him. That fucking sucks. As a DB, that is fucking terrible. Who's a great DB? Richard Sherman. Let me look up his numbers. He's like 33 and he's still like one of the best. He's a Hall of Famer. He he is so easily a Hall of Famer. It's not even a joke to me. He's 32. Yeah, he's 32 years old. He's so good, man. He's awesome. He is so awesome. His completion percentage... Oh, it was 62. Okay. But he allowed 387 yards. Yard, And by the way, check this out. His yards per completion was like nine. So even if you catch the ball, you're going nowhere. I'll take that. And how many interceptions? He had three. I'll take that. I'll take that. Nicole Roby Colbinson. He had zero interceptions, 403 yards. And keep in mind, he's a slot guy. So he's not going to like have a bunch of yards committed against him. So he had 403 yards. He almost had, he had 9.8 yards per completion. And his uh, completions were 41 on the season. He was targeted 64. He had zero interceptions. Yeeks. Jesus Christ. His passer rating. Oh, that's that's passer rating? Oh, okay. That's actually pretty good. 86.9. Sorry. The long and the short of it is, is that this dude, Nicole Broby Colbinson, I don't really have a lot of faith in. I don't. He's on his third team in seven years. Hasn't really started a bunch of games. I I don't trust this guy. I nope, that's that's not it. I love this guy. For me, for my team. I love this guy for C D Lamb. That's who the Eagles want to get. That's who they want to take. Fine. But when he gives up a touchdown, when CeeDee Lamb beats him on the inside, or Amari Cooper does, because he's he's not that very he's not that good of a slot receiver. That if, if this is how you want to play it, all right, I'm fine. Not a slot receiver, a uh, slot corner, or nickel. This is how you want to play it, all right. You don't have a safety, fine. Who are the Eagles' safeties? That, my friends, is a very very good question. Because they got rid of one of their best, Malcolm Jenkins. They have Sendaho, Andrew Sendaho, Sendaho, and um, I think Rodney McLeod. I think I completely forgot Sendaho was on his team, on that team. Eagles are in trouble. They're going. They're ha- they have a first place schedule. They're playing up against two of the hardest divisions in the NFL. And they're playing up against the NFC East this year. The NFC East beats up on the NFC East. Have fun playing against those guys. So, Tampa, not even Tampa, 
So everybody keeps on talking about Green Bay. Everybody's like Green Bay, you know, Green Bay. You know, they didn't. You know, everybody is is freaking. What's what's the word? They're being soft, man. They're like, you know what? Them giving up a second rounder for not a second rounder, but a first rounder for Jordan Love. That wasn't a bad. That wasn't a bad call at all. That was actually pretty good, right? Giving up one of your best draft picks for a quarterback, even though you have quote unquote one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen in our entire life, like. They did it? All right. But they did it. They gave up a quarterback, or not a quarterback, a first-rounder for a quarterback. Right? That team? Packers? Apparently, what they're doing now is they are trying to integrate Jordan Love into their offense. Mm, mm, mm. Isn't it funny? Mike McCarthy was like, I'm happy to leave Green Bay and go to Dallas our rival, make no mistake, Green Bay and Dallas has been battling against each other for like 50 to 60 years, since the 60s, with Don Meredith. But he went to a rival because Aaron Rodgers, and now it seems like he's happy. He's happy being in Dallas. And Matt LaFleur in his first year is like, get me out of here. Get him out of here. I don't want him here. First year, by the way. Drafts a quarterback. Not a wide receiver, not another running back, not an offensive lineman. They're, they're missing an offensive lineman, by the way. One of their best. Balaga, I think that's how you say his last name. I think he was their right tackle or their right guard. Brian Balaga. Let me look up his, let me look up who he is. I think he's their right tackle. So they don't replace their right tackle. They don't replace their right tackle. Yep, right tackle. Now plays for the uh, the Chargers. They don't replace their right tackle. They don't sign the right tackle. They don't get another wide receiver because now teams are going to double up on Devontae Adams. I think they drafted a running back. They want to make this team more running-centric. They're like, eh, we're done with the pass, and they're going to go away from Aaron Rodgers. Let me tell you what that's going to do now. So what they did was, and this is the mistake that Seattle makes on an annual basis. What Seattle does is they're like, well, we're going to have one of the best running attacks, and we're just going to completely ignore our quarterback. Pretty much what Dallas does, and that's why Seattle hasn't won anything yet. If they were like, well, we're going to get some some great offensive linemen for us if we're going to get uh, some great wide receivers for us, they probably would have gone back and won another Super Bowl by now. But because they just don't double down on Russ, Russ is in Russell Wilson, the quarterback, and they're like, well, let's have the best running attack in the league. They lose. They lose a lot, by the way. Because their offense is janky. It's like Dallas. It's like, well, you know, let's just try and run it. Oh, wait, the run is, isn't working? Well, let's run it again. Instead of trying to trying to go towards, or not trying to go towards, but trying to use Dak Prescott more efficiently and effectively. Let's just go towards the run once again. And they lose constantly. Same thing will happen to the Green Bay Packers. It's like, oh yeah, let's take the ball out of our quarterback's hands and let's put it in, uh, in, uh, in the running back's hands. Not because the quarterback is having a bad game, not because this isn't a, a bad passing, not because, excuse me, this isn't a passing league, but because uh, we want to play running. We want to play physical, man. 
We just want to be a physical team. All right. All right. Have fun with that, Green Bay. By the way, I'm watching golf right now. For some weird reason, the golf channel is only putting on women's golf. Specifically, women's college golf. So right now, I'm watching a bunch of girls in short shorts, bang, hitting golf balls off tees. That's a great shot. Nope, never mind. It's going out of bounds. <laughs> but I'm watching girls play right now, and I'm like, yeah, like there's like like nobody else will put on football. Nobody. Nobody's like, yeah, you know, let's let's not play a good Dallas Cowboy game. Let's not do that at all. Let's just um, put on another football life because that's that's what's going to bring in an audience. Putting on another football life. No disrespect to Doug Williams. Let's not put on a great football game because we're the NFL Network. Let's just put on John Riggins. No disrespect to him, but it's like I want I watch the NFL Network to watch football games. I watch ESPN to watch sports. Like it's oxymoronic that in an era where there's not a lot of sports going on that nobody's playing more sports. It's like so weird to me. Anyways. Packers are in trouble. And I I I don't know I don't see them going anywhere close to the NFC championship. They're gonna be brought rot and dysfunction. And imagine this, right? I didn't make myself clear on this. They're trying to use Jordan Love in the offensive package. That's been reported. They're like, well, we gotta we gotta try and figure it out, right? We we got him in the first round. We gotta try and integrate him now rather than later. It's like the only thing this guy can do is throw the ball deep, which I'm pretty sure Aaron Rodgers can do already. So on top of making your offense less West Coast and more run-focused, you're now also going to add in a quarterback that is different than Aaron Rodgers. That is not named Aaron Rodgers and named Jordan Love. Are you kidding me? The easiest way to screw up chemistry, the easiest way to screw up the ability to win is by overthinking it and doing dumb shit. They're overthinking it and doing dumb shit. Why? Why would you get Jordan Love? And then worst of all, why would you integrate him into the offense when it's not even like you don't even have to do it yet? Why? Why? I don't get it. I don't think Green Bay does either. But it's going to be easy work for whoever plays up against Green Bay. Or at least it should be. We'll see. One of the final things that I'll talk about today is that a lot of people are starting to work out with their guys. So I think I mentioned this in a podcast, but Lamar is organizing team activities with some of his players. Not just, oh, you know, it's him in Hollywood working out. Nope. He's getting guys down to South Florida and he is hosting workouts. Dak Prescott. He is working with his former quarterback coach and John Kitna. Now, the significance of that is Dak easily had the best season ever. For him, of course, 
and one of the best Dallas Cowboy seasons ever uh, with John Kitna. But because he's now, you know, uh, he's now not on the team, Dak now goes to him in the offseason and he works with him and they just throw and they work on some stuff and I like that because now there's no CBA, there's no like, there's no NFL stuff and Dak can work with John Kitna however long he wants. For whenever whenever he wants. And everybody made this big fuss about, oh, Dak's missing OTAs and voluntary camp. It's like, you do understand that that won't help Dak as a player, right? Like, you do real he plays quarterback. Like, does he need to learn the scheme? Yeah, he, yeah, he does. Admittedly, he does. But when it comes to helping his overall mechanics... Not really, and I in it in it like it roll. It makes me like roll my eyes whenever people are like, "He needs to learn the offense. He needs to learn the offense." And it's like, dude, he's had two different OCs in two different years, and he has played in two different styles. Like sometimes Dallas in 2019 played West Coast, like they threw the football a lot more than they ran it, and they threw short yardage passing, like. They ran a West Coast style of offense in 2019. Go back and watch the Giants game. Go back. Dak Prescott had 440-something yards, and he had four touchdowns. I think he had 4-4-4. I think he had four. That was the 4-4-4 perfect perfect passer rating game. Seriously? Was that it? Let me check. Hold on. Oh, no, 405 yards, four touchdowns, perfect pass already. I thought it was 444 yards, four touchdowns. That would have been perfect. But the long of it is, Dak Prescott has... Dak, Dak has had a lot of different coaches and a lot of different philosophies going into his ear, and he's always... What has impressed me enough, or a lot about Dak Prescott is that he has constantly learned whatever he is can, whatever he can from whoever is around him. For example, when he talks about if you go back and if you watch his interviews from 2016, he talks about learning a lot from Mark Sanchez, the dude that butt fumbled. Like they call him butt fumble cuz he fumbled a football running into one of his offensive lineman's butts. Or butt he, he he apparently learned a lot about how to be an NFL quarterback from Mark Sanchez. After that, learned a lot from Scott Linehan, then Kellen Moore, and then Kellen Moore again, because Kellen Moore um, not only was his quarterback coach, but also his offensive coordinator. And then he has, uh, and then he learned a lot from John Kitna, and now he's going to learn a lot from another guy. Like Dak is, Dak is so, he he is incredibly coachable and he soaks up information like a sponge. The notion that Dak needs a lot of time to learn an offense is ridiculous to me. The dude came in and understood the offense as a rookie. He's like, oh, I'll just hand the football. Granted, it was a easy and simplistic offense, but still. The fact that a rookie can come in and be like, oh yeah, I can just run the offense, go 13 and three, understand what I have to do throw it to the open man, 
make completions, don't turn the ball over, finish drives, that's it. The fact that he understood that at such like a a young age, and by a young age it's like 22, 23, as a rookie. The fact that, they, that he understood that is, like should speak volumes, but you know, people don't care about that type of stuff. People are like, eh, you know, he's got a lot to learn. It's like, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. It's the exact same thing with guys like Tom Brady and, and Larry Fitzgerald, right? Old guys. Like, Larry Fitzgerald came into an air raid offense. He's never been in an air raid offense. He was fine. He's old, but he was fine. How many yards did Fitzgerald have last season? Keep in mind, Fitzgerald was, like, the best wide receiver on the team, and he's old. How many, how many yards? He had eight hundred seven. He had 804, four touchdowns, 75 receptions. He's old. He's 36 years old. He shouldn't be playing, but he is. He took to it like a sponge. Tom Brady, you see him working out in Tampa Bay with his guys in a high school. They're learning the system. Dak is going to be fine because he is learning the system. Lamar Jackson is going to be fine because he is learning the system. He is learning how to play the quarterback position. This notion that, oh, you know, Lamar is going to fall off because teams are going to learn his style. I roll my eye. You don't even know what they're running this year. You don't know if they're going to be a team where they're going to use Lamar Jackson more as a runner or as a passer. Even I don't know. I think they're going to use him more as a passer because I think he's going to develop more as a passer. But you don't know. I don't know. But one thing that I do know, because of what Lamar is doing, because of what Dak is doing right now, I think both of them are easily going to be top five dudes in the league. What I mean by top five dudes in the league, I mean both of these dudes, Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, they will be top five quarterbacks within this league. I didn't stutter. The odd man out potentially could be Deshaun Watson. Or Aaron Rodgers. Both of them are missing key pieces. Both of their teams. I don't like both of their teams. I don't like what they're doing. Either way. I don't like what the Texans are doing. I don't like what the Packers are doing. They could be the odd man out. Especially Rodgers. His play could fall off a cliff this season. As I take a swig of my flavored water. Let me show you something. Let me show you something here. <clears throat> Let me pull something up. I'm gonna be looking up Dallas's first round draft picks for yeah, last ten years thought to myself I was like man how many pro bowlers or top 10 caliber players I think I did this in a podcast a couple of days ago I'll do it again from 2019 to 2020 Des Bryant first round draft pick pro bowler Tyron Smith 
Morris Claiborne, first-round draft pick, wasn't a pro bowler. Travis Frederick, Zach Martin, Byron Jones, Ezekiel Elliott, Taco Charlton, Leighton Vanderess, Amari Cooper, technically, C.D. Lamb. So in the last two years, I had this theory, but I just confirmed it. Last 10 years, not two years, Dallas has had multiple football players that have gone to the to the Pro Bowl. In fact, they've had like, I think, eight football players that have gone to the Pro Bowl for multiple years in the first round. Except for Leighton. And um, who else? I think that's it. And maybe Byron. No, he's gone twice. Like Leighton and Leighton Leighton is is it really. And Leighton is probably going to go again next year or this year. Uh-oh. Excuse me. Excuse me. But Morris Claiborne and what's his face? Uh Taco. Like they're out. They're gone. They're bus. Maybe not bus. They're just not as good as we probably wanted them to be. But those two guys, beyond those guys, it's just hits. It's slam dunks. It's it's Tyron Smith's. It's Des Bryant's. It's CeeDee Lamb's. It's Leighton Van Esch's, It's Byron Jones. It's Ezekiel. It's dudes that have been here for almost 10 plus years. Tyron Smith has been here for almost 10 years. Like these guys, all these guys that we've get that we've gotten in the first round have all been of exceptional value, all of them, again except for two. But all of them have been of of exceptional value, and yeah, I'm gonna put in Amari Cooper as well, because guess what? We we traded straight up a first rounder for him. Oakland got I think Josh Jacobs, Dallas got Amari Cooper. Both teams are pretty happy with their acquisitions. Why am I bringing this stuff up? Why does this stuff matter? What matters about Dez and what what matters about Dez and Tyron and Travis and Zach and Byron and Zeke and all these other players? Why does all this stuff matter? Well, simply put, you got to think twice about trading away your first round draft pick. Either for Amari Cooper or Jamal Adams, whoever. Got to think twice. Because it's hits. It's pro bowlers. Dallas has transferred most, if not not all, but most of their first round draft picks in a pro bowlers. Multiple time pro bowlers. Some of these dudes that I just mentioned were all pro. Like we're not talking about, oh, they're okay. Oh, they were good. No, they were at some point in their career some of the best football players for multiple years in a row. In Tyron's case, he's been one of the best football players for the last 10 years. In Zach and Travis's case, similar thing. Byron Jones, considered to be one of the best corners in the league. Ezekiel Elliott, same thing with his position, one of the best running backs in the league. Leighton Vanderus, one of the best linebackers in the league. He's probably going to be the next great linebacker, the next 
Luke Keekley, Sean Lee, if Sean Lee didn't get so hurt. You know, we got some issues with his neck, but he's got that same toughness that a linebacker has to have. He's going to be one of the greats, man. Some people think he's going to be the next Brian Urlacher. I I wouldn't go that far yet, just yet, but he's learning from one of the greats. And he has the predator right next to him, Jalen Smith. He's like, Jalen, go hunt. I'll drop back. And Leighton is way better in coverage than Jalen. Way better. The long and the short of it is, everybody makes a lot of a lot of just excuses for a lot of different reasons. Like, you got to trade the first rounder. You got to not trade it. You can't pay Dak Prescott. You can't do this. You can't do that. It's like, look at their drafts. Look at their drafts. Every single draft. They have had, in the first round, hits. Just bang, bang, bang. Hits. Hit after hit after hit after hit. In the first round. Can't say a lot about the other rounds. But in that first round, they get so much value off of that one draft pick that it's like, oh, it's it's done. C.D. Lamb is going to be a great example this year. Which is also why I just don't understand. It's like, oh yeah, you know, C.D. Lamb, he's not that good of a draft pick. What? Nobody, like, it, again, it, it, going back to C.D. Lamb, it blows my mind that people are like, you know what? This guy, C.D. Lamb, he's not a very good football player anymore because he wears a metallic silver and blue star on his helmet. They're like, nope, he's not very good anymore. Or, uh, I don't, I, like, like, he's not going to improve their offense that much. This is one of the best wide receivers to come out of the draft in like the last three to four years. People are like shutting him down. Like, come on, guys, really? I don't like getting shortchanged at the grocery store. I'm not going to let you shortchange my football players. Are you serious? He's not one of the best wide receivers. He doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that the Cowboys didn't get, uh, excuse me, not didn't get him, but did get him. That doesn't matter. That's not going to change how teams try to... Right now, defensive coordinators, they're getting swamp asses right now. They're sweating in their jock straps. Because they're like, how do we attack this? And then worse yet, because he's a rookie and because they haven't seen this new offensive scheme, they don't know what Dallas is going to do. They can only be like, oh, Mike may do this because he was a, he was a, um, <clears throat> he was a offensive or, or not an offensive coordinator, but he was the coach for Green Bay. Uh, like two years ago, but he watched a year's worth of tape. Like he took a year off. You think he's not going to change? You think he's not going to get better? You think he's not going to improve? What are you talking about? Bro, I don't get, I don't get any of this stuff. I I really don't get in. Like, it's hard to take people seriously. It really is. It's like, how do you, how do you come up with that? What's up with that? Jesus Christ, man. I don't get that shit at all. (sighs) God. Every single year, 10 years straight, except for two, 
Dallas has had a pro bowler in the first round to go to multiple pro bowlers. Watch Leighton Van Der Esch go to another pro bowler this year. Watch C.D. Lamb get strong consideration for the pro bowl this year. Dallas is loaded. Like whenever people talk about trading away Michael Gallup, who by the way is a third round draft pick, should mention that he's a third rounder. They're like, trade away Michael Gallup. Get away, get Michael Gallup off the football team. He's not very good. Whenever they say stuff like that, it's like you do realize Michael Gallup is one of the best young talents in the league at wide receiver. Like the same guys that people were ranting and raving about in 2018 when he was drafted, Cortland Sutton, DJ Moore, he's he's comparable to those guys. And he's not a number one, not a number one, um, not a first round draft pick. He's not a number one wide receiver. He's a number two. He's a number two guy. Oh, and by the way, in 2019, he missed like two or three games. Hmm. Hmm. He could have been 1,300 yards, just like Coop, as a number two guy, by the way. I can't wait for the clips of Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, and Michael Gallup, and Blake Jarwin to show up. Usually at this time period of the of the year, if COVID wasn't happening, um, Dak would have already flown out to Cali and started training with his guys. In this particular case, it seems like Dak is training with Zeke and stuff like that. I think in the next weeks, you'll start to see Dak start throwing to um, to a Coop and Gallup and all, all these other guys. I have no idea where they are, by the way. But yep. Yeah. I think, and, and it's probably going to be soon after Dak signs a contract, but I think CeeDee Lamb is training in Houston, and um, I, I don't know where all the other guys are. Like, it, because of the virtual offseason, nobody is required to be in the, uh, in like, in the, in, like, in their respective cities, so teams and dudes are just at homes and stuff like that. Speaking of the virtual offseason, it's going to extend for another two seasons, not two seasons, two weeks. So the virtual offseason will continue into like mid-June, somewhere around there. So, there you go. Mid-June is when they may be able to go back and start training once again. And for various reasons, you kind of hope that they get the deal done with Dak. And I'll talk about that in a second. But the long and the short of it is, this whole notion that if you pay Dak, Dallas won't be able to get players is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You want to know why it's ridiculous? I mentioned this before, and I'll mention it again. They draft very, very well. And by they draft very, very well, I mean they get a pro bowler in the first round every single year. Or have gotten a pro bowler in every single round for the last 10 years. How consistent is that relative to all of the other teams in the league? Not very consistent. That's not the right way I wanted to say that. Not trying to say consistent. What is it? How often does that occur? I guess that is consistent, but how often does that occur? And it's and not very often is the long and the short of it is. This is very, very rare 
what we're seeing from the Dallas Cowboys. You don't see a team draft this consistently when it comes to getting pro bowlers in the first round. You don't see this, like ever. 10 or technically 8 in 10 years that have gone to the Pro Bowl. I think 7 in the past 10 years that have gone to multiple Pro Bowlers. And trust me, Leighton is probably going to be the other one. He's probably going to be that dude that's going to go next year with Jalen. You know what? It's not my responsibility. It's other people's responsibility to draft their picks and to cover the Cowboys fairly and stuff like that. It's like, you know what? People have been wrong about the Cowboys. Or no, people have been right about the Cowboys, but for the wrong reasons. It's like, you know, Dallas is an accident waiting to happen. Why? Uh, I I don't know why. It's like, all right, okay, all right. If you don't know why, then why are you saying that they're going to be an accident? You don't know if they're going to be an accident this year. And the years where they say that, that they are, it's like... Like not that they are, excuse me, but the year like like two thousand the two thousand eighteen season where Dallas where Dallas uh what was it? Where they went ten and six and they won a playoff game. Everybody was like, haha, the Dallas Cowboys lost to the Rams. Rams went to and almost beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Like, I'll take that. It sucks that how Dallas lost. It sucks that Jason Garrett was still on the football team after that season. But yeah, it's like they had overcame a horrible coaching staff and they had almost beat the Rams, even with their defense playing like garbage. I keep trying, like, do not be surprised because I've been telling you this for weeks, if not months, that the Dallas Cowboys will come back they will be significant, significantly better, excuse me. And they will dominate. But you know what? Again, I'm chill. I'm not screaming like like I've I've been talking for like 2 hours straight. And I'm just I'm calm, I'm cool, I'm collected. Because when it happens, because I know I'm going to be right. It's funny how that works. It's like, I, I know I'm going to be right about this. I know it. I know it. I can already see the writing on the wall. It's like everybody downplays Dallas. Everybody is ignoring the obvious uh, important key pieces of information about Dallas and nobody cares and they just want to mock the Cowboys. And I mean, you could hear it all the way back when I, was, when I played you that clip uh, on NFL Live. They, they were making fun of the Cowboys. It's like, all right, cool, bro. Cool, bro. Let's just see, man. You're going to get an opportunity in the next couple of weeks. Not even the next couple of weeks, but in the next couple of months. You're going to get an opportunity to see exactly what the Dallas Cowboys are all about. I'm excited. Let's finish off the podcast. Final thing, Patrick Mahomes is negotiating a contract extension with the... Kansas City Chiefs, the former MVP, the current Super Bowl MVP, probably going to get $40 million. Hey, Dallas, maybe you should get him signed. Maybe you should have him sign that big long-term contract. 
And you know what? That deadline, that July 15th deadline is going to come. It's going to happen very, very quickly. It's going to be almost a month and a half. What's the day? Today is Thursday the 28th. It's going to happen very, very soon. It's coming up. And the thing is about that deadline, that July 15th deadline, is that you could probably hear some more rumbling, some more chitter-chatter. It's probably to put the pressure on the Cowboys, put some more money, get Dak some, some more money. Like, oh yeah, we're negotiating Patrick Mahomes, you know, make a bad deal. But the reality is, you have no idea how much, and I remember, who was this? I think it was RJ Choppy on Law Nation, and it was the late night hype, it's a Dallas Cowboys show. They were talking to, I don't know, maybe a, a press guy, a news guy, I don't know who RJ Choppy is. They were talking to him, and he was like, listen, mate, you don't know Bill O'Brien. You don't know what he's going to do. He traded away his best player on offense besides D-Hop, or not D-Hop, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun, uh, not DeAndre, oh my God. He traded away DeAndre Hopkins, probably the best player on his offense besides Deshaun Watson, for like a second, maybe, I think it was like a third and a fifth, right? Terrible, terrible pick pickups, excuse me, for the Houston Texans. Traded their traded his ass away for pretty much barbecue chips and a Coca-Cola. Terrible trade. But he did it. And do you want to know what happened because of that? Now his offense may suffer. Now his offense may suck. But you don't know how good, how not how good, but how this dude will negotiate a contract with Deshaun. He may give him 40. He may give him 45. We'll see. But the clock is now really ticking. The pressure is now really on for the Dallas Cowboys to get this contract signed. What happens if Patrick Mahomes gets signed? I don't think Dak's number will rise because I think because it's like like you know asking for more. Money, I think, is more ridiculous. Is ridiculous, in my opinion, for Dak. Like, I don't... Like, I feel like 30... 35 to 37 is fair. I think that's more than fair. I think it's ridiculous to say that Dak doesn't deserve 35 to uh, to 37 million. I think Dak asking for 40 million... He hasn't asked for that, but that's ridiculous. However... Worst case scenario, the Joneses, they, they're, they're like, we're not paying you this year, Dak. And I think the Joneses are stubborn enough and stupid enough to do that. Because there's just, there's no reason to not pay Dak Prescott. And the Joneses, I don't know what who they think they're negotiating with, but the Joneses, they for some weird reason think that, oh yeah, Dak is just gonna, you know, he's just gonna submit and he's just gonna, you know, just take our demands and stuff like that. And it's like, nope, he has not done that for a year. Maybe you should pay him before this gets out of hand. And then the worst thing about this whole situation with Dak and and um, and Coop, or not Dak and Coop, but Dak and the Cowboys is he's not there learning the new offense. Pay his ass. We got to win football games. 
Apparently Dallas was like, and eh, we uh, apparently Dallas w- had a verbal agreement with with Dak and um, about their contract, and then Dak had like the three games where he had like a perfect passer rating and was playing like an MVP, and he was like, my number goes up, and Dallas got all in their feelings like, eh, eh, he's, he, he wants more money, he wants more money. It's like, well, guess what? You should have paid him before you paid Zeke. So they got in their feelings. Je- apparently they felt burned, and it's like, hey. Like, things ha- things change. Like, you can't feel burned when you left him out there and he played his ass off and he, and he was like, oh, you guys aren't going to pay me? Well, guess what? I'm going to play way better than I've ever played ever and I'm going to be an MVP caliber player so when you guys try and come back to me and renegotiate, I'm going to have way more leverage. Like, this is business. And it's like, like it's, it's so weird to me that the Joneses are so butthurt because Dak put the game back on them. Like the Joneses do this exact same thing. The NFL does the exact same thing where they where they're like, well, we're trying to create leverage for us and against the player. And they're like, oh my God, we're we're so angry that Dak created his own leverage. Now we're not gonna pay him. It's like, no, pay him. It's already gotten out of hand. Like Dallas will not win in this circumstance. Oh yeah, get in your feelings again, Jerry. Get in your feelings again, Steven. Franchise tag him. Yeah, with with a way better coaching staff around him and way better players. Way better player and CeeDee Lamb and Blake Jarwin. Yeah, that's players. Way better players around him, way better scheme around him. A defense that's actually going to be able to stop people this season. Oh yeah, that's a great idea. Let him go out again. And let his price rise once again. Now, if, if Dak really wins the... the this, the um, the MVP, and worse yet, if he like if he becomes a Super Bowl champion or his team goes to the NFC Championship game, you do realize he will ask for forty million, and he will not blink twice. He'll 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 probably ask for forty to forty three million. You do understand that, right? Like get it done now. Get get the deal. If he wants four years, give him thirty five for four years. Get it done now, Jerry. Get it done now. It's the the time that, you know, the whole concept of, because now when, when Dak saw the report that Patrick Mahomes got signed, he's like, this is all good for me. This is all bad for them. It's like, yeah, you know what? We're just going to, you know what? We're, we're just going to stay packed and we're just going to, you know, continue to, to just stand around and wait for Dak to, to come to and meet our demands. It's like, no, he doesn't have to meet your demands now. Because if Patrick Mahomes gets his money, or worse yet, Deshaun Watson gets his money, and Dak outplays one or both of them, his price is going to go like from 40, from like 35, to like 43, 44 million annually. And then you're like, then you're really not going to play Dak Prescott. Gonna be like, well, you were asking for forty-four million now. It's like forty years, forty thirty-five million last year. You were asking for thirty-three. Guess what? It changed, and it blows my mind that they're not like, like this is just terrible GMing, and this is the idiot. This is the the stupidity of the Joneses, right? Where they're willing to jump a twenty to get to a five. It's like, oh yeah, let's not sign our franchise quarterback to a four-year deal. Because it's our fault that we were horrible at negotiating. It's like, 
Jesus Christ, man. I'm so pro-player on players getting paid, unless it's like something ridiculous, which this is not at all. But like watching this play out and watching like the Joneses just try to like finesse Dak and he's just like, nope, I'm not going to get finessed, bitch. You're going to pay me my money. Like the fact that Dak is like, nope, give me my money. Nope, give me my my money. Nope, give me my money. And they just keep on trying to be like, like Dallas keeps on trying to operate from a place of like superior, superior, superiority. I guess, I don't know. They keep trying to act like they have any leverage. They don't have any leverage. Jesus Christ, man. And then everybody's like, well, I don't think that the Dallas Cowboys are going to pay Dak Prescott because they haven't paid him now. It's like, no, Jerry is an idiot. He fired Jimmy Johnson at the height of his tenure and at the height of the of the 90s Cowboys because he wanted to win a Super Bowl with anybody else, and he hated Jimmy Johnson. And it's like, well, you know what? I, you know what? I also hate. I also hate fucking losing. And that's what the Dallas Cowboys did after Jimmy Johnson left. So, what else do I got for you today? I think that's it. Seem to be more like a rambling podcast sometimes. Where's my remote? Where is it? Oh, here it is. It's literally in my chair. I could see it. I'm still watching women's golf. For some weird reason, the golf channel only puts on women's golf. It doesn't put on like... And it's the same one. It's the watch along for the NCAA Women's Golf Championship. Is there like anything else? Dubai duty-free Irish Open second round. Is there anything else? That's four hours of... Oh, God. They they replayed the exact same stuff. 2,000 golf skills. Why can't anyone think creatively about, like, what to put on when it comes to, like, games? Like sport games. Sports, I guess. I don't know. Anyways. What else do I got concept-wise for you? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember this. I wasn't going to talk about this because I was like, eh, how, how important is this? How obvious is this you know how significant is this and I was like well this is kind of significant so I kind of didn't want to talk about this and I wasn't going to talk about this until now but I I feel like I have to talk about this uh Tampa 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 Bay or as some people like to call it Tampa Tampa Bay what's going on with Tampa or Tampa what's going on with those guys why do people keep doubting Tom Brady and company? Well, um, because people love to doubt Tom Brady. Like, I feel like it's just, I feel like it's a thing that they do. Like, people do. They're like, yeah, you know, he's too old. He's got to play in a new offense or whatever. Like, again, oh, wait. Perfect. Perfect timing. Because now I get to play you the other part that I heard, and that was of them talking about Tom Brady. 
and Tampa Bay. This goes all the way back to... Isn't this beautiful how all this stuff just ties into one another? Uh, this is the freaking NFL Live people talking about Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Hold on. Immediately forgotten the minute the team announced it had signed former Patriots quarterback Tom Brady. In addition, some have argued, renders the Bucks an immediate Super Bowl contender. I was really excited. I knew that. I mean, that instantly made us a Super Bowl contender, a playoff contender, and that's what uh, exactly what we need to be right now. If we would have had James, I think James would have made a big jump, but uh, I think with Brady, it just makes us an automatic like contender for Super Bowl. With James, I think it would have been a playoff contender. It would have been a, um, still a battle for sure, and it's still going to be a battle now, but having Tom, I think we're going to be over the edge and everything on paper it looks perfect. We just got to put the work in. That's Shaq Barrett, one of the best players on that team. He's talking about Jameis Winston versus Tom Brady. Uh, sorry, Shaq. Tom is way, way better. But continuing forward. He's tiptoeing that line, Tim. We got way better, but he doesn't, he doesn't want to say it. Listen, does, <laughs> does the offseason and the arrival of Tom Brady change everything for the Bucks, at least in the short term? No, it doesn't change everything because it doesn't remove the New Orleans Saints from their division. Like Brady going to Tampa Bay doesn't change that the New Orleans Saints are for real. Like that's a 13-3 and team last year that ripped off a bunch of wins with their backup quarterback. Like I just – I look at what New Orleans has done. They are good on both sides of the ball. They've added some, some you know, key pieces this offseason. You know, Drew Brees is still there. So, look, I understand the excitement. I also think you've got to be a little bit careful. Like Jameis Winston, sure, he threw a bunch of interceptions last year. But there were some good moments from Jameis as well. And so this notion that, like, Tom Brady is going to just fix everything. Like, every every other player on that team was fine. It was Jameis holding them back. But now that Brady's there, they're good. They're a Super Bowl contender. Like, be careful with that. Like, that's a really dangerous path to go down. I think Brady makes them better. There's no doubt about it. I think they could easily be a playoff team and Brady in the playoffs. Who knows what could happen? But I think it's kind of dangerous to have these players thinking that everything changes when old number 12 walks into the locker room. Tim Hasselbeck. Tim Hasselbeck, I am disappointed in you. I thought on Mondays during the season we figured this thing out. You are not doing the FPIing the way you're supposed to be <laughs> FPIing because this is what we learned. The Cowboys had eight wins. Just because they got rid of Jason Garrett and got Mike McCarthy, they have the fifth, the fifth best chance to win the Super Bowl. Now, stay with me. Stay with me. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they won seven games. They got rid of a dude who did have some bright spots, and Jameis Winston, who is going to have the first 30 for 30, actually called 30 for 30 because he threw 30 interceptions. <laughs> they got rid of that guy. And not only did they get rid of him, they brought in the greatest quarterback of all time. Not the best, not just good, the greatest of all time. And so you're going to tell me that the 8 and 8 Cowboys could be fifth because they got Mike McCarthy, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that was 7 and 9 got rid of 30 for 30 for 30 for 30 and got Tom Brady and they ranked below the Cowboys? Hell no. No, sir. 
The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a legit contender, and they might not win the NFC South because the New Orleans Saints are that good. But when they get things rolling and you have somebody that can make plays in situational football moments the way that Tom Brady will, they at least going to be better than the Dallas, Dallas Cowboys. So this list is wrong, wrong, wrong. Way to sell it, Ryan. Listen, always appreciate the sell. Uh, Diana, listen, I, I'm glad to see he's moved past the Cowboys. Anyway, what's your take on the Bucks with Brady? <laughs> I hope you're going to buy what I'm about to sell here because I am against Ryan's thoughts here, and here's oh. why. Last week, we heard about Tampa talking about this offense, what it's going to look like. It's going to be Bruce Arians with a Tom Brady influence. Why the heck is this offense not a Tom Brady offense period, end of sentence. This is a guy who's been in the same system for 20 years. Give him everything he knows. Why are you going to teach him anything different? There's going to be a learning curve. We have this condensed offseason. We have a lot of change for Brady. As good as he is, as smart as of a quarterback as we know Tom Brady to be, he still has to learn his players. He still has to build this chemistry, figure out a playbook that is run by Bruce Arians. So when I heard that, I started to shift my thoughts on how Tampa's going to finish. I think they finish 8-8. Eight and eight. Chemistry, chemistry. Tom Brady knew Antonio Brown for 27 seconds before they went to Miami. <laughs> and they look dang good to me. They bring over Josh Gordon. He, here, here's he never the, hung here's out with Josh thing, Gordon. Right? He what knew how to throw him the ball. Because that's what New England does, right? Waiting. New England throws the ball to the open man. That's why they're successful. It's very basic. It doesn't matter who the guy is, how much he gets paid. It doesn't matter how many deep balls you got to throw. They hit the open man no matter who the guy is. That's not the Bruce Arians offense. That's why it worked with Tom Brady not knowing who A.B. is. Let's see if he can build all you're, that chemistry with this condensed offseason with these guys. You're trying to you're, – you're asking if Bruce Arians' scheme <laughs> is going to change who Tom Brady is at his core. At his core, Tom Brady spreads the ball around and throws the ball to the open guy. It doesn't matter what the call is. Tom Brady gets to the line of scrimmage because I've been a part of this torture and this torment, and he finds the matchup. He sees where you're going to vacate zones. He understands who is in man, and he gets the ball to that dude. Guess what they got now? They got a bunch of dudes. There are dudes everywhere. So the one that you're not double covering, the one that you're not rolling coverage to, he's going to find him. That's not going to change about Tom Brady. Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich won't say you have to throw the ball to Evans now. All right, all right, all right. So it's raining dudes. We, we got that for sure. Uh, Tim Hasselbeck, I'm going to ask you to break our tie, please. Uh. Well, listen, I agree that Tom Brady's great. He's going to improve Tampa Bay. And yeah, that's going I out actually probably limb. think that Tampa Bay may end up being better than the Dallas Cowboys. But, like, we're looking at the whole list. We're, we're not just talking Dallas Cowboys and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> the Pittsburgh Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger is back. Like Kevin Colbert says, is going to be a better version of Ben Roethlisberger. They went 8-8 eight eight with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph. Give them Big Ben back and see what happens. Oh, by the way, Aaron Rodgers went 13-3. and three. He's angry. Like, give me Aaron Rodgers in the Green Bay Packers <laughs> ahead of the Tampa Bay Packers. Angry. I the Minnesota Vikings. Angry is a... Team. I mean, like, all of these teams. We, is that is it angry? We are talking about the... I'm talking about the Dallas Cowboys. 
Well, no, I'm listen, I'm, I'm going back to Aaron Rodgers because angry is a word you use for mere mortals. That man is full on pissed off is what he is. Anyway, uh, we'll keep looking at that. We'll continue our FPIing, as Ryan Clark uh, so eloquently put it. Coming up, Vikings tight end. So there you go. Sorry that that was such a long clip. I'm not going to lie to you. I was starting to like, I was like, oh my God, this is so boring. Like as soon like as soon as I like started to listen to that clip for like a minute and a half, I'm like, wow. That that's uh that's not very good. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like I, I should have just not I should have just referenced it. I shouldn't have let it play off for that long. That's the last time I'm ever gonna do anything like that where I just like play something for that long for that amount of time. I'm like, wow, that uh that was kinda like some clickbaity ass shit some cringy stuff. I'm like, man, I should have just freaking like stopped it. Yeah. I'm never doing that again ever. Um, but let me send off that last little like section with this that I'll say about the, uh, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa's going to be fine this year. And I don't understand why two people on that show just said that they'll finish eight and eight this year. And they quote the saints as the reason why, it's like, you do realize that the Bucks they play up against, I think, the AFC West and the NFC North. They play those two divisions. Both of those divisions you can get wins from. I feel Like, let me look up their schedule really, really quickly. And they're also playing, I think, on a second or a third place schedule. And, uh, and for some weird reason, they were like, let's just take a bunch of pot shots at Dallas. I'm not even going to, like, address those because I thought that the points were stupid. Um... Let me let me just address some of them. Hold on. Uh, let me find it. I don't like this site. Let me go to a different one. Is it FBS? I think this is it. Okay, cool. This is exactly what I wanted. <clears throat> okay, so they're playing up against... They're playing up against, uh, okay, yeah. So they're playing up against, it looks like, the NFC West, yep, and the NFC North. This, not the NFC West, the AFC West and the NFC North this year. So they're going, up, they're going to go up against the Saints twice, which I think that they can split the division easily. Panthers, who else is in their division? Excuse me, Atlanta. I think they can take both of those games and split the division. So they're five and one in their division. I think they beat they beat the Broncos, the Chargers, the Raiders. I think they'll lose to the uh, the uh, the Chiefs. I was like, who else is in their division? Pat McAfee's team, the Chiefs. Um, they're playing up against. I think they were the third place team in their division, or second place, or tied with third. I don't, I don't know. But were they? How how bad? Oh uh, well. I think they were third. I think Atlanta was higher than them, so they'll face off against the Giants, for example, instead of the um, instead of the Cowboys. Thank God. But they'll they'll beat the Giants. They're also going up against the Rams. I think they'll beat the Rams, and they're also going up against Detroit. So, oh, and Minnesota, like and the Bears. I think they'll beat Minnesota, the Bear, the Bears. Uh, Detroit, those are like three wins. Like they can easily win ten plus games this year. 
Like, I feel like everybody gives way too much slack for Jameis Winston. They're like, Jameis wasn't that bad last season. Jameis Winston had 30 interceptions last season. Let me just, I want to, I'm very, very curious. How many quarterbacks threw for 30 interceptions in one season? I want to know that statistic. I'm looking it up right now. How many? How many? Four. Four. And just one since 1980. That was Jameis Winston. Oh, he's not that bad. It was... It was... Um, oh, wait, oh, wait. Excuse me. Excuse me. Let me let me go to this. Pro football reference. NFL passes. single uh, Intercepted single season. George Blanda. 42 interceptions in 1962. Vinny Testaverde. 35. 1988. Frank Tripp. Trip, Tripuka, 34. John Hayda, tied, by the way, with, um, with, uh, with frickin', uh, what is it? John, yeah, John Hot, Hot? I, I don't know how to say his last name. He threw 32. I don't know, I don't know where I just read that number off, by the way, for, who is this? TampaBay.com. We've never seen a single season like Jameis Winston's before and may not again. Oh, a 30 and 30 club where he's thrown 30 interceptions, 30 touchdowns. So that was, that was four. Only four quarterbacks have ever, well, that's not correct. Did they seriously say that? Only four quarterbacks? Hold on. What? He says only four... Like, I'm reading this off of a site. This is why you have to check multiple sources. Because I was wrong. Technically, the site that I was reading this off was was wrong. But only four quarterbacks have ever thrown 30 interceptions in a season and just one since 1980. Vinny Testaverde threw 35 and just 13 touchdowns in his first full season with the Bucks in 1988. Um, that's not true. Not Vinny Tessaverdi throwing 30 interceptions. Um, f- only four players. It's like, nope. Because I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. But yes, he is he is the last one since 1980, and that was Richard Chop Todd, excuse me, to throw 30 interceptions. Brett Favre got really, really close in 2005 with 29. And then Peyton Manning in 1999, 1998, 28. And then he's in like a four-way tie with um, with Joe Namath twice, by the way, when he was 24 and 32, when he both threw 28. And then Ken Stabler and then YA title, 28 again in 1955. The long and the short of it is the efficiency of quarterbacks has gone significantly up meaning that they're throwing more touchdowns and throwing less interceptions, and Jameis Winston threw 30 interceptions. Like, I've never seen, I've literally never seen that before in my entire lifetime, since the 1980s. 
That was the last time that a quarterback threw 30 interceptions. And people are like, oh yeah, let's give him another shot, right? Keep in mind, last three seasons, he's had Deshaun Jackson, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. He's had one of the best football coaches in the league, in my opinion, in Bruce Aarons. He's had some good defenses. His offensive line's, you know, good and bad in some cases. But he's had players. And he has a big arm. We know that. His decision-making is shit. It's not bad. It's shit. There are times where I watch, like, there was the, what, what was the Bucks versus the the Houston Texans game? Where literally it was like, who could turn, who who could turn the ball over worse? Like Deshaun or, or Jameis? I was watching that game. That was one of Deshaun's worst games I've ever seen him play. And it was like, literally all I saw was like, oh yeah, you know, let's just, uh, let's just have freaking the Houston Texans throw the ball away. Then let's have, and, and I got to watch an ad first. And it's like, let's just watch the Houston Texans throw the ball away. Then let's watch the, uh, the Tampa Bay ball, uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks throw it away. Right. First and 10, 17 yard line, Jameis bad ball. For some weird reason, he throws an out route, but he lobs it in the air, leaving it high and, and making it easy for the defender to jump the crap out of the route. And the defender on Mike Evans wasn't playing um, press. He was playing off. And once Jameis just lobs it in the air, bang, play on the ball. And Mike was running like an 11-yard out route or something like that. And instead of throwing like a quick strike, Jameis just lobs it in the air. It's like, that's the incorrect throw. Like, Mike Evans, everybody says Mike Evans is a 50-50 ball guy, and it's like, in that route, a more accurate ball, a more quicker ball needs to be thrown. And it's a pick six. By the way. First play of the game. Oh, yeah, he's a great quarterback. I think Deshaun, I I, I don't know how they got the ball back, but on third and six, throws another strike over the middle. Apparently, he doesn't see the, uh, the linebacker. Bang, there he is. Bang, there he goes. Or is that the safety? Somebody was there. And another pick six. Two in a row. It's Eric Reed. It's a safety. Or Reed something. I don't know. Personal foul on the defense. Doesn't really matter. I think it's going to be returned. And then Watson is going to turn it over. Let's see. Deshaun lobs it in the air for DeAndre. Or not. DeAndre Will Fuller. Incomplete. Looks like they're going to kick a field goal. I think flag is going to fly. Watson is going to get another shot. Bang. And looks like it's a drop pass. Yeah, they're going to have to kick the field goal. They go 10 points. And now, because the Bucks have turned it over twice in less than four minutes, by the way, it's 11 minutes, 22 seconds, um, they're like, well, let's try and run it. And Houston's defense, just let them run it inside Houston territory. Like, he went all the way to the 29-yard line of the Houston Texans from, I think, inside his 20. So now Bruce Arians is like, fuck it, we're running it. And he ran it all the way until fourth down, where it looks like they're going for it. Pitch it to the running back. Running back gains the first down, and I think he's almost at the 10-yard line. Flags fly. Long and the short of it is, this was one of the worst games I've ever seen him play. One of the worst games I've ever, like, watched, unfortunately. I thank God I didn't cast it. I think I did. But I was like, wow, this game sucks. But the long and the short of it is, Jameis, like, 
Like, this, the whole notion that's saying, oh, Jameis wasn't that bad last season. It was like, no, his team was actually really, really good. He was just terrible. And everybody on that team knows, like, man, if Jameis Winston didn't throw 30 fucking interceptions, we probably would have been a playoff contender. Like, that's the reality of the situation. But this notion that, oh, yeah, the greatest football player of all time with no wide receivers on his team last year and no tight ends and barely a run game and an offense, an offensive line that was mediocre in some stretches and a head coach that didn't give him anything, a guy coming now from that to Gronk, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and, um, and, and a better offensive line and a head coach that's going to let him sling it, that that's not going to improve him is ridiculous. Like the the notion that oh yeah, that's they're, they're not going to be a playoff team, that they're going to be fucking 8 and 8. And it's like, have you looked at their schedule? Cuz I'm looking at their schedule right now. Hold on, not right now, but let me pull it up one 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 more time. I'm looking at their schedule right now. I'm looking at it. They're playing up against the AFC West. That's three wins. They're playing up against Carolina and Atlanta, forget about the Saints. Everybody's talking about the Saints. You do realize that they could just go like five and one in their division, right? Oh, they oh the Saints are a good team. Tampa Bay has good pieces and good players as well. Like everybody's act. I, I said this before. I was like, I said this before Tom even came to Tampa. I was like, people are gonna be surprised by Tampa. Tampa's a good team. You don't go seven and nine while your quarterback is throwing thirty interceptions um, and not be a good team. But 24-7-9 is a losing record. It's like, yeah. But your quarterback should never have to throw 30 interceptions. Not have to, but ever. They should never throw 30 interceptions. What was Favre's record when he threw 29? In Green Bay. Hold on. Hold on. In 2005, let me just check. He went 4-12. and 12. Peyton Manning, when he threw, how many did he throw? 28 in 1998. This is when Indianapolis sucked. How many interceptions did Peyton Manning throw? Not interceptions. What was his record? 3-13. and 13. They were 7-9. and 7-9, and nine, by the way. When the quarterback threw 30. Oh yeah, Tom Brady doesn't help at all. All right, okay. All right. Like, the Saints, yes. Have they won the division? Yes. Did they win 13 games? Yes, they did. But they also lost badly in the playoffs to Kirk Cousins. And for some weird reason, I can't explain it, but Drew Brees, his play has fallen off at the end of the season every single season. Every single season for like the last two seasons, I, I'm 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 starting to get a little bit worried about Drew. If I'm going to be honest with you, not like completely. I'm just like Drew isn't playing the same way that he usually does. Jesus Christ, man! Tom Brady doesn't help Tampa. Drew Brees is going to dominate. All right, okay. Are you sure about that? Just want just want to make sure you're sure. NFC West, not NFC, AFC West this year. And NFC North. 
two divisions that they can easily win five, six games in. On top of the four, five, maybe six games they win in their division. They're a 10-win team. Oh, yeah, you know, oh, yeah, Tom Brady's going to play in a new system. What? You do realize that the Patriots are the most flexible offense in the league, right? And I, I love how she's like, what's the Patriots scheme? Throw it to the open man. No, it's not. No, it's not. The Patriots scheme is we win football games and we do it by any means necessary. If it means, hey, we're going to run the football, it's run the football. Hey, Tom, hand the football off this game. We're running it. If it's throw the football, if it's short yard, it's throwing, then yes, we will throw it to the to, uh, in, in short yardage situations. Oh, oh, it's, oh, 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 we got to throw over the top with Gronk or, or Philip Dorsett or Brandon Cooks. The, the fact, and, and it's ironic that Ryan Clark made this point about Antonio Brown. He's like, Antonio Brown was like there for like 27 seconds and they had great chemistry. Like the fact that nobody remembers Brandon Cooks played for the Patriots and had one of the best seasons of it. What was his record? What, what was his, what were his touchdowns? Brandon Cooks had one of the best seasons of his entire career with, with Tom. What was his record? He had one of his best seasons, 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns. That's like his third best season in the league. And that was with Tom Brady. And he only was there for one year. One year. Hmm. One year. So... This notion that, oh yeah, like, and th- and this is what just like makes makes my head want to explode whenever people are like, oh yeah, Jameis Winston, he can still play football. It's like, no, he can't. He's a backup. Oh yeah, you know, he's got a lot of talent. He is a backup. He's a talented backup. 30 interceptions. How many, how many interceptions has he thrown in his entire career? Let me look it up. This, this bothers me that people are like, James, that people are letting him off the hook like Jameis Winston is is just like redeemable like he can come in and play once again like really he has thrown 88 interceptions to 121 touchdowns but this has been but last year was his first and only 30 touchdown year he has thrown 22 touchdowns 15 interceptions 28 touchdowns 18 interceptions, 19 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 19-14, and then 33-30. Like, 121 touchdowns to 88 is terrible. For a second, I thought it was, but then I'm like, I feel sick. I don't know why, but I feel like barfing. Maybe it's because I'm reading this. Maybe it's because I'm like hearing people say Jameis Winston is a good quarterback and he can play and it wasn't all on Jameis and whatever. I'm like, maybe that's it. Like, just hearing that makes me sick. He's terrible, ladies and gentlemen. He's terrible. It's why he's a backup. It's also why nobody picked him to be a starter. He's terrible. He has never had a average passer rating. An average passer rating in the league is 93.3. 93.4. He's never had that. It has been below average, below average, below average, below average, below average. 
He's always had good weapons. Can't tell me that he hasn't. He's always had some good pieces on defense. Can't tell me that he hasn't. Because he has. Look at his teams. It's not his defense's fault he turns the ball over almost every game. Tampa Bay will be a playoff team. They will be a contender. Will they be as good as Dallas? I don't know. I hope I don't... uh, Like, I will say this. I'm very happy that I don't have to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. I'm very happy that I don't have to play the Saints this year. I'm so glad that Tampa Bay last year was third. I'm so happy that that we were second. We got CeeDee Lamb. And we don't have to play up against the Saints and the Bucs. Thank God. It's the luck of the draw. Turn it down. Turn it down. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been 24's podcast, the best video gaming and sports podcast on the entire internet. If you like this podcast, you can find this podcast literally where all other podcasts can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Spotify, and Radio Public. Pretty much where you can find any podcast, you can find 24's podcast. Positive music. Feeling a little bit burned out. Took a nap today. Woke up. Felt great. Felt energized. Felt ready to attack. And I did. With that being said, um, I got nothing planned for tomorrow. <laughs> so I'm not going to be back tomorrow. Is there another football games on? Let me look this up. Football games. Like, why don't I just do that? Look up football games. Like, what, what football games are on? Is there a football game on? Like, seriously. How hard is it not to, like, have a football game on? Talking about NFL Live. I don't care. Fantasy. A bunch of dumb shit. Moving on. Ladies and gentlemen, um, I'll probably be back Saturday, Sunday, Monday, somewhere around there. Just keep on checking the feed. Don't worry. I'll be back. Ladies and gentlemen, until my next podcast, I hope you have a fantastic day. And I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.